Hey, strangers. Happy full moon in Pisces, if you're into that. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I'm Krista. With me, as always, is Kurt checking his microphone again. It's on. <laughs> I didn't touch it this time, though. <laughs> Krista, Krista laughs at me because I'm constantly checking to make sure that my microphone on. And like before it magically we're, turned before off. Before we're recording, she was like, is it haunted down here that a ghost keeps like, you think a ghost is going to flip off your microphone? But I'm just like weirdly paranoid about my microphone. So I said I was going to call it out every time and you guys could take a shot every time Kurt checks his microphone yeah, and you'll so. all be wasted before we hit the titillating <laughs> 20. I didn't think you saw me turn like glance at it instead of touching it to make sure that it's on. Uh, speaking of the titillating 20, if you don't want to listen to it, check the timestamp. Kurt will post uh, the exact moment that we skip a- or the exact moment that we start the actual topic and you can skip ahead. We won't know. Yeah. Listeners that subscribe on our coffee page got to hear 10 minutes of Krista and I talking about whether or not our <laughs> titillating 20 is getting too long or not. It's turning into a thirsty 30. It is turning into a thirsty 30. Ugh, don't call it that. It's weird. Uh, weather it's hot it's been hot and yucky the the last couple of days it's supposed to be kind of cool and rainy this weekend though yeah it's good so. it, like next week actually looks decent like mm-hmm. 70s 70s i can't wait for cold i can't wait for 40 and 50 mm-hmm. that is what i want anyway, i'll take 60s <laughs> i want to give shout outs to our newest strangers who joined our strangers page on facebook and those are katie foss oh, g-r-y-t-e grit greet S C H A A F S T A L. Wow. <laughs> I th- I'm going to say Greet Shaftstall. Okay. I, if that's even anywhere we're Is that like a close. hyphenated name? No, I don't think Interesting. so. Interesting. Uh, wow. Greet Shaftstall. And I want to give a special shout out to some of my students that know they're getting this. So, of course, they're going to listen to this because they know <laughs> I'm going to mention them. But I want to give shout outs to Paige and Nora Mitnacht and Emma DeRozier. Like, those are some of the students that have listened to this. Oh. Gotcha. And they are some of my favorite students. Paige is the one that drew that strange sessions thing, uh, like the the on a, the notebook paper that I posted in the group. Oh yeah, and gave it to me like the first week of school, oh, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. so cool. Really so Paige, cool. you are awesome. And uh, Emma is like big into like the ghost hunting and crystals and stuff like that. Cool. And she listens, and she's gonna teach me all about reality shifting, Ooh. which I've mentioned in other episodes. And she's big into that. And like these kids, I feel like have such mature minds mm-hmm. for like sixth grade. I wasn't thinking about that stuff in sixth yeah. grade. But Nora, like I want to talk about what Nora this week. Like Nora's become like my little unofficial assistant in my afternoon class. She like tags along with me everywhere. Uh, Nora and Paige are sisters and they're okay. just both amazing. But there was one day this week when Nora and I were down in our in the basement where our room is, our classroom. And we had to go up to the first floor. And sometimes when we do that, I take what I call the secret passageway, which is you go behind the theater office and there's a set of stairs back there that a lot of people don't know about. It's kind of creepy and stuff. And it goes up to the auditorium, which is definitely Mm -hmm. creepy. Yeah. So Nora and I left our classroom and we walked through up the stairway up to the auditorium. And the thing is, I've talked about this a lot on here. And this comes up a lot today in our stories, actually, our Reddit stories. But it's only actually happened to me maybe a handful of times in my life where I feel like somebody is watching me. Okay. Like I talked about that day that Aaron and I were in the woods geocaching and we both yes. felt like somebody. Mm-hmm. But I don't get that feeling a lot. But that day when we came up through the stairs and came through the auditorium, I instantly felt like something was in there watching us. And like the hair on the back of my neck in the stood auditorium? up. In the auditorium? Okay. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I'm like, this is creepy. But I didn't say anything. Right. You don't want to creep Nora yeah. out. <laughs> and then we get out to the hallway and Nora goes, that was creepy. It felt just like somebody was watching us. And Ooh. she said she felt a sensation on the back of her neck. Ooh. And I was just like 
freaked out because I said nothing to her. And she said exactly the same thing, that it was like something like the really heavy feeling. Weird. And, but we're convinced that the auditorium's haunted. There's like hmm. something going on. Yeah, you've heard noises and stuff yeah, in there, right? Yeah, there's something going on in the auditorium. And, and Nora loves ghost hunting. So there's this, and there's also this little hallway that goes to a different set of stairs that I have always been uncomfortable with. Hmm. And one day Nora came into the classroom and she told me, she said, that's the one place that she does not like is that little hallway that I feel weird too. Hmm. So it's like she's picking up on all the same stuff that I'm picking up on. So we even talked about like one day, like if we're running up there between classes to just bring like a digital recorder super quick and her and I just sit in that little hallway and be like, is there anybody in here? (laughs) Just do like a little mini two minute investigation to see if we get any audio. Yeah. But it's just awesome. I love that I have students that are into this too, Mm -hmm. that are like fascinated by this. Yeah. So Paige, Nora and Emma, thank you guys so much for listening. And even more important than that, just thanks for being such awesome students and awesome people. Very nice. There you go. Housekeeping? Um, I wanted to mention that the puzzle is done. I know I posted on uh, the Facebook page. Did I put it on Instagram? I don't think I did. Anyway, the Bigfoot um, puzzle that Stephanie sent us from Arizona yes. is, is complete. And we actually have it glued. So Jim is going to build a frame for it and we're going to hang it down here. And I, I should also mention, Jim gets the credit. I maybe did 10 pieces. <laughs> he did that whole thing himself. And it was a really difficult puzzle, actually. Yeah, there was a lot of frustration <laughs> coming from the dining room as he was working on it. Um, I have to be in a puzzle mood. I guess I haven't been in a puzzle mood lately. Um, I wanted to also mention I put a poll on the Facebook page yesterday to ask people to help us finally name our book club podcast because I can't start creating anything for it until we have a name for it. Yeah. So the. The choices that we had come up with that we were trying to figure out which one to pick um, were the Strange Sessions Book Club. Yes, I know. It's really basic and kind of obvious. And then the Story Sessions. We, You know, Kurt and I like alliteration. Yeah. And we wanted to keep either Sessions or Strange as part of it because we have the side sessions. We have the Strange Sessions. We wanted it to sort of feel like part of the family of The only podcasts. one that we could think of was Story Sessions because that was one of the few. Yes. We were like looking up S words that have to do with literature and stuff. And then a few other people, Brian Young put Library of the Strange. Kate, I hope I, I don't have my glasses on. Kathy Myers put Strange Seller Readers. I thought the Strange Seller book club might have been cool too. Um, Joel... Weingert, I'm not good at these names. Choice A always wins these polls, which I think is hilarious. That would have been an awesome name for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Beth Havanek. Havanek, yep. The Strange Mind Readers, which was cute. And she also added Reading in the Cellar. And then Carl Wagner said Harshed Mellow Readers, <laughs> which is really funny. So there were 60 votes and um, the Strange Sessions Book Club won. Yep, we're keeping it simple. Yeah, it feels really basic. But Kurt just mentioned something earlier that um, it's a way for people to also associate it with this podcast. Yeah, like people might accidentally stumble across it and be like, what is the Strange Sessions? And then find this podcast yeah. and then come to this one through the book club podcast. Yeah. Which of course we'll mention this podcast yeah. in the book club podcast. Yeah. It's we're creating this book club Kathy, for for Kathy you guys. Myers that's in there that you mentioned is also the one that emailed that we were her and I were messaging or emailing back and forth about the book, the seven and a half oh, deaths yeah. of yeah. Evelyn Hardcastle. Yeah, because she finished it. So we were kind of talking. It's a confusing book. Like the confusing. ending is very is confusing <laughs> and I'm still I need to check out the book again because I need to reread that whole ending. Because yeah. there's stuff that happens that I feel like I don't really know why this person but i'm not gonna go oh into it. okay yeah. and i'm not finished with it yet so I'm, I'm getting there though but she she agreed that it's a very agatha christie 
it totally has that feel to it slash quantum mm-hmm. leap thing. yeah totally yeah. yep it's a fun read so far. Yep. Um, so yeah, the official name of the new book club podcast is the Strange Sessions, and we'll book get a club. new email up for that because, yes. like, we didn't want. I told I had a message Krista not to read this email because Krista hasn't finished the book yet. We didn't want like anything to get spoiled. Yeah, so we're gonna come up with that. So well, the the podcast will have its own feed. It'll have its own email address. I will probably create its own Instagram page. Oh boy, another social media page to <laughs> to manage, but that's okay. I do want to keep them separate, yeah. just because there are probably going to be people who will stumble yes. on that who who yep. aren't going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, but we should always mention this podcast. In I think there. so too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's it. Um. Watch for details on the social media and the email and stuff to come out. I'm sure it's going to be super obviously like the Strange Sessions podcast yeah. at Gmail yep. or the Strange Sessions book club at Gmail. Yep. You know, something like that. Um. So I mentioned the puzzle, the podcast. What? Oh, you. We have a couple emails to read. Yeah, I have two emails from listeners which came within like a the same day, which was actually really cool, and they're both super sweet. So I want to read this first one. It says, hello, Kurt and Krista. I'm new to the strangers, but I just wanted to send this email because I'm binging the series and I'm almost halfway caught up. Right now, I have come up to a few episodes where you have talked about rude or unfriendly comments towards one or both of you. And that was when I got called a frat frat guy. And I interrupt you too much. (laughs) No, and you, you were called. No, you were called a millennial. Oh, a millennial? I was called like yeah, yeah. I was called like a frat Oh, that guy. was early on. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was recent that we read yeah. that I interrupt you too much. Yes. But I was called like a stupid frat boy yes. and you were called That's like a millennial. That's when Rhonda was on. Which neither of us are like. Uh, not, not a millennial. Even close. Not a, I am like the farthest thing from a frat I'm boy. I'm 46, so I'm yeah. not a millennial. So she says, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry. People can be quite mean online. But we've never really had a whole lot since that as far as. No, people aren't mean yeah. to us. They're just don't read comments. We yeah. just don't read reviews. Yeah. And she says, but also, this is one of the first and only podcasts with two hosts that I've liked. Normally, I like story-like podcasts where the host just reads a script and that's it. But for some reason, I absolutely love yours. I love everything about it and the new things you randomly add to the podcast. I enjoy the taste test, which I hope continue through the rest of the show, because <laughs> I really want to send something for the both of you to try. It does continue oh, yeah. through the rest of the show. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I like the back and forth between the two of you, and I think Krista's input is great for the show. And then in parentheses, she has, love you, Krista, you are fantastic. Aww. That seems to be what people that's talk so about most. I also love Kurt's accent, which which people also bring up. I have family in Wisconsin, and your voice reminds me a bit of my uncle, so I enjoy that. I don't know if you still read emails. I don't know if this will go through. I'm still really early to the show, but I wanted to just let the both of you know that I think this podcast is fantastic and to keep up the good work. I think my coworkers secretly like it too because they all laugh at me when I start laughing out of nowhere <laughs> because of something one of you says, LOL. That's a proud moment. But anyway, I just thought I would send some positive messages though, instead of negative ones that I know can be really upsetting. Oh, that's really and she sweet. says, P.S., I'm not sure if you care about this at all, but I listen to a bunch of podcasts on Spotify. Yours was recommended after I was caught up on the Dark Paranormal, which I believe is a podcast. Mm. I don't think I've checked that one out yet. Okay. And then she says, stay strange, guys, from Samantha. Aww, so that Samantha, is so sweet. Thank you so much. Do I not have as much of a Wisconsin accent? Apparently not. Interesting. I I, I think because I read more. Maybe. I think I slip Maybe. into... Instead of two or three, it says two, you know, it's two or three. A couple two tree. A couple two tree. A couple two tree beers. Um, oh, yeah. And then we got another email. And this one from was from Lucho. Oh, yeah, Lucho. Yeah. yeah. And he says, hi, Kurt. Hi, Krista. I am Lucho, and I have been listening to the podcast for a couple of months. I found you while doing some research about the debt law of pass for a YouTube video, and I just fell in love with your podcast. You both sound so genuine and comfortable doing it. 
that it makes it so refreshing. But what I like most about you guys and what I think the difference is from the strange sessions from other podcasts is that you don't try to scare listeners by adding sound effects. Neither of you try to make people believe in everything just because it's weird. You always give reasonable theories and make logical comments. And if some story sounds like BS, you say so, which is great. (laughs) I just wanted to thank you for the many times you put a smile on my face when I'm feeling down. And then he asks a question, which we will go back to the end for when we answer listener questions. Oh, yeah, I remember it now. And then he says, Montante Extrano, which means stay strange. Oh, I love that. Montante Extrano. So thank you guys so much for the email. Do you think he's Italian? No, he is uh, Buenos Aires. Oh, okay. I think Buenos Aires. I read it in the last podcast. I believe that's Spanish. Okay. The name Lucho to me, for some reason, sounds Italian. Either way, we love you. I don't know. I t- I tried typing in Buenos Aires on my phone, and I I got a burrito episode. <laughs> and I have, unless that's about our more Murray steak burrito <laughs> episode. I don't know. Could be. It's just weird that it came up with burrito episode. But <laughs> Buenos Aires is in Argentina, I think. Sure. Okay, I'm so bad. I'm geography. not good at geography. <laughs> so, yeah, but I like that Montante Montante Extreno. Yes, strange. I like that too. And yes, so thank you guys so much for sending those emails. We love emails from you guys. Yeah. And I love it when somebody is like halfway through the series and they're like, are you guys even still doing this? I don't know if you guys are still there. And they're probably not expecting us to respond to an email either. Yeah. And so, hey, if you email us, well, it's probably Kurt who's going to respond. But yeah, we we will respond to every message we get. I try to, but now that I'm back in school, I sometimes like it slides out of my well, consciousness. It might be the same day. It might not be the same day, but you yep. will get a response yep. from us at some point. And we have a package from our good friends, Nikki and Randy in Texas. Nikki used to live in my apartment complex. She oh, was the one that okay. would come over and we would drink beer and watch Big Brother and watch Survivor. Sweet. So she got married. She is in Texas and her hubby and herself sent us a package. I have no idea what's in it. Ooh. Oh, I better come get it, huh? You ready to catch it? <laughs> okay. Taped the bejesus out of this. Ooh, okay. Since I have students listening now, a lot of our that's what she said jokes are edited out and those show up in the coffee uncensored episode feed. Are there um, food items? I don't. What is that? I think it's like a plaque of some kind, like a picture. I'm going to open it. You ready? Oh, cute. International UFO Museum. Yes, yes, because they, I think they went down and Roswell. to Roswell. That is super That is cool. That is going to go. A, a cute, alien. looking alien. That is going to go right up on our wall here. Heck yeah, it is. That is so cool. I'm take a picture. I should try to take a picture in better light. Do I say that every time I take a picture? Yeah. <laughs> People are going to get sick of me saying how crappy the light is down here. Someone's going to send us a lamp at some point. <laughs> Okay, super cute. That is awesome. It's got like a little rope to hang it up. That is awesome. Where are we going to put that? We're going to have such a nice decked out room. We still need to, oh, there's like a big bottle of something, maybe. Oh, is it booze? I don't know what this is. They said one thing was for me, I think. Is it this thing? They said, hang on. (laughs) I just got a. Randy said, the orange bubble wrap is yours and the clear bubble wrap is for you and Krista. So that's the orange bubble wrap? Yep. Oh, that is cool. Here, do you want to come grab it? Yep. Oh, I see what's in it. I love it. That's really cute. Okay, so the clear one we're gonna do next week, right? Because it's gotta, it's gotta be yes. refrigerated. So I have it in the refrigerator, getting cold. This is so cool. It is so a, cute. It is a, a huge 
Bigfoot mug. What does it say on the back? Jack Links. Oh, Jack. It is a, oh. It is like a huge Bigfoot coffee mug, and it has a package of Jack Link original beef jerky in it. You could drink some serious coffee out of uh, that thing. I'm going to. This is so cool. It is really cool. You guys, thank you. Can you take you a picture s- and send it to me? Thank you so much. This is awesome. We <laughs> love both of these. Yes. I'm already trying to figure out where we're going to hang this sign. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I love this. Yeah. Thank you guys. I'm excited to see what the taste test is for next time. I, I keep saying next week. We don't record next week. This stuff is awesome. We love you guys. Ooh, I'm getting cold. Oh, I usually you, don't get you, cold till we do the side sessions. Seriously? Yeah. And our taste test this week comes from Stephanie. We also have more taste test stuff from Stephanie next week. And I think some gift items from Stephanie next week. Yeah. So we're we have taste tests from Coleman. We have taste tests from Norway and Mexico yet. We are you ready full to catch this on taste? Oh God. Okay. We should just go back to being across from each other. <laughs> Dessert. Desert. Oh, I can't see. God, you really do need your glasses, don't you? It's dark. <laughs> and also, I need glasses. Des- desert, as- no, what? Desert assortment candy. Okay. Prickly pear cactus. Ooh. I love we had prickly, the prickly yes, pear. Yes, and I love okay. prickly, anything prickly pear flavored. Margarita and pomegranate. Ooh, I love anything Jelly margarita candies. flavored. Jelly candies. Yep. They look like little gummies. Okay, let me take a picture. They look really good. Like, I love prickly pear flavored stuff, and I love margaritas. Should we do the same how, one? I don't know how to tell what they are. The prickly though. pear is going to be green. Oh yeah, no, the prickly pear is red. The margarita is green. Oh, and the pomegranate is also red. I think the prickly pear is the one on top. Okay, throw me one. Okay, I'm excited to try these. Yes. Oh, it's it's kind of it's harder than I expected. Okay, I'm trying the same thing. Has no smell. I, I just smelled the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I smelled the microphone instead of the candy. Oh my god! <laughs> How does a microphone smell? Uh, like nothing. <laughs> Same. It's as not the as candy. bad as me licking the microphone accidentally last week or whenever. <laughs> okay, ready. Ready. Oh. Wow. Hmm. Mm. Mm, it's good. It is good. Mm-hmm. It's like. Wow, is it sugary on the outside? There's like a really thick layer of sugar. This is like, what are what are these like? There's like a candy that comes like this. It's like a jelly and it's covered in sugar. Mm. I can't think of what they're called, but this is really good. It is good. It's strong. It's not the margarita one. No. It's the pomegranate. I think the pomegranate is the darker one. This does not taste like a margarita. It tastes like pomegranate. No. Margarita is green. Oh. But I think is, this is prickly pear. It might be. This is good. It is really good. Oh my god! I I'm. It's I, substantial. It is like one of those is enough. Wow. I usually don't like overly mm-hmm. sugared things, but this I do. Like I think that like the good, there's like a there's a. Healthy, Should we save the next? Well, let's try the other yeah, flavors in future yeah. episodes. Okay, we'll leave this. Oh, I like that. Is it safe to leave this out here though? Bring it upstairs. Okay. I really pantry. like that. I'm going to give that a nine. I'm going to give it an eight. Mm. As far as like a fruity gummy goes, that was darn good. That was really good. I think it has really good texture. Actually, I like the contrast of the sugary, crunchy outside with the really soft yeah. inside. And there's a lot of sugar, and I usually don't like oh, yeah. that, but on this, I do. You need it. Mm. That was good. I'm going to take a picture of you. 
Very nice. Okay. What time? Uh, 33 minutes. Oh, God. But we had 10 minutes of yeah. jibber-jabber. So we're going to be under, I think we're actually going to be under 20 minutes. <laughs> jibber-jabber. Jibber-jabber. We should call our pre-show banter jibber-jabber. Jibber-jabber. Are we ready to dive in? I think so. So I'm ready. I just want to say thank God that I did this because this week was crazy at work. Like the last two weeks, mm. I'm exhausted. It doesn't really involve any writing. You can just gather stories. I'm just gathering right? stories, which I've been doing for like the past couple months. So I just am super happy that I did this because I don't think I would have been able to fully functionally do a good episode. Mm-hmm. So this is going to all be stories I took off Reddit or other places. And I know Brad Medeiros just did that. Two, oh, he did Reddit cool. stories. We have your shirts on, Yeah, we're Brad. wearing the shirts We are today. rocking the Thank shirts. You. I use his coffee mug like almost every day too. It's a great coffee mug. Yeah. So we're rocking. Nora taught me that you're not uh, you're not rocking unless you're crocking. And I don't own Crocs. Oh, me So either. I apparently need to buy some Crocs, she said. They're supposed to, and they make new styles now other than those ugly things that the, all nurses seem to wear. They must be super comfortable, but. I just don't see how those are comfortable. They don't look comfortable. They don't, but they wouldn't wear them if they weren't because they're on their feet all day long. Yeah, I guess. This is Croc Talk with Kurt and Krista. (laughs) Croc Corner. Croc Corner. (laughs) So we are jumping right into our main topic, which is spooky stories about woods from Reddit. And then I ended up having stories that weren't woods, so I ended up having to edit all those out and put them in another potential episode that's going to be non-wood stories. Okay. But I love the woods. I love being in the woods. Me too. That's why I don't want to have a Bigfoot encounter because I think it'll totally ruin the woods for me. (laughs) That would suck. I don't think I could go in the woods if I... There's one in here that's for you. There's one in here that's for you. But these are. This is just going to be a mishmash of jibber jabber. This okay. is going to be a mishmash of. Do you stories. know that we were almost Joe, Jeff, and I were going to almost call paranormal palaver something like jibber paranormal, paranormal jibber jabber. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be a lot of just me reading stories that I got off Reddit and me going, and, oh my god. And Chris, Chris nope, going nope. nope, nope. But we talked about it before the, dog, the episode. Okay. It was back in our pre-show jibber jabber where we were talking about that. I feel like I'm pretty decent at oh, judging BS whether detector. something is a BS story that's yeah. made up for Reddit. So some of these could be, but I think a lot of these are legit. I tried. I have one in here that was from No Sleep, which is supposedly fake stories. Right. But the person that's swears. That's where the grinning man or the yeah. dancing man or whatever yeah. came from. Yeah, in Slender Man maybe. But but okay. people said that the guy that wrote this said it did happen to a friend of his, to his, like a family member of his. So he can't vouch, but he oh. said he's heard it enough. So mm-hmm. then he like cross posted it. So it was in No Sleep. But this first one, you know is, me. If I don't believe it, I'll say that sounds. Made yeah. If up. you don't believe a story, let let me know. If okay. you guys don't believe a story, let me know. But I like these. I thought these. There is one. I don't know. Was that on here where we were talking about that? I was researching some of these at three a.m. because I'm laying in bed awake, and there's yes. one in here that really freaked me out. And I'll tell you which one when we get to okay. it. But it, that one just freaked me out. So then I was kind of like uh, in my apartment in the dark. <laughs> Covers pull Nar- up to your Narnia, chin. Narnia all cuddled up to me. <laughs> So this first one comes from, we actually just talked about him not that long ago. It's from the 1969 book called Passport to Magonia on UFOs, Folklore, and Parallel Worlds by Jacques Vallée. Mm, We just talked about him. Yep. In the book, he included the testimony of a French woman who had a really weird encounter that immediately made me think of missing 411 cases. So this is from that book. It says... This case has never appeared in English UFO literature and therefore cannot have influenced American UFO lore. Even in France, it is practically unknown. The incident took place on May 20th, 1950 at about 4 o'clock p.m. I cannot reveal the name of the witness or the exact location. I can say, however, that the witness was a woman and that the episode took place in the central region of France near the Loire River. 
An official investigation by French local police has substantiated the physical traces mentioned in this report, which can be translated thusly. So this is the girl talking. She says, I was hurrying back home to prepare dinner. <laughs> That's very 50s. I got to get home and prepare dinner. Yeah. So I was hurrying home. back home to prepare dinner. I was happy and content and I was singing some popular tune. Everything was calm and still without any breeze or wind. I was alone on the path. Suddenly, I found myself within a brilliant blinding light, and I saw two huge black hands appear in front of me. Each one had five fingers of a black color with a yellowish tint, somewhat like copper. The fingers were roughly formed, slightly vibrating or quivering. These hands did not come from behind me, but from above, as if they had been hanging over my head, awaiting the proper time to catch me. It's creepy. Weird. The black hands did not immediately apply themselves to my head. I probably took two or three steps forward before they touched me. The hands had no visible arms with them. The black hands were applied to my face with violence and squeezed my head as a bird of prey rushes on its unfortunate helpless victim. They pulled my head back against a very hard-feeling chest, one that seemed to be made of iron. I felt the cold through my hair and behind my neck, but no contact with any clothes. The hands were squeezing my head like a formidable vice, not abruptly, but gradually. They were very cold, and their touch made me think that they were not made of flesh. The big fingers this, ugh, the big fingers were then placed on my eyes, and I could not see anymore, on my nose so that I couldn't breathe, and also my mouth to prevent me from crying out. <laughs> That's just Okay, freak. then. When I was surrounded by the strong blinding light, I had the feeling that I had been paralyzed, and when the hands touched me, I had the very distinct impression of a strong electric discharge, as if I had been shaken by a lightning bolt. My whole body was annihilated, helpless and without reflexes. I was like a broken toy between the inhuman hands of my unknown aggressor. For a little over a minute, I felt the hands tightening very strongly on either side of my throat. It was horribly painful. Then it began to swing me forward and backwards several times, still fiercely squeezing my head against his chest. I had the distinct impression that this being wore armor or a steel carpus of some kind. I felt his two invisible arms pressing heavily on my shoulders. It was at this moment that I heard his laugh, a strange laugh I could not explain. It was as if I heard him through some water, and yet it seemed quite close over my head. At first it sounded rough and hushed, then rather strong and rolling. It made me shudder. After a few seconds, the laugh stopped, suddenly cut off. Then a knee hit me in the back, hurting me very much as if the knee were also made of steel. That again made me think my aggressor was completely covered in metal. This blow made me fall backwards, and the unknown aggressor made me lie down, still squeezing my head against his chest. Then he dragged me along the path by my head, and he seemed in a great hurry. I did not even hear him breathe. He pulled me into a bush full of brambles and nettles and acacias, still going backwards at an incredible speed, holding my head. At that moment, I finally heard his voice for the first time above me, saying, quote, There she is. We've got her. As if he were talking to someone else, some accomplice who had stayed inside the bush. This voice, like the laugh, seemed close by, but it also seemed hushed as if some obstacle was in front of it, and it was short, rough, and sharply cut. I was choking, and I felt like I was going to die. I thought of my family waiting for me at home, and my whole life passed before me in a few seconds. My aggressor pulled me through the bushes until we reached a small pasture, and then suddenly he stopped. Its hands had gradually slipped down my face, and I tried to call for help, but I had no voice left but a tiny, shrill cry. After a while, I was able to sit up among the brambles. I had a very hard time breathing. My bag was still in my hand with the money in it. 
At last I was able to get up in spite of my weakness, and then I heard some noise to my left inside the bushes. I thought I was going to see my aggressors and recognize their faces, but I saw nothing, only the branches moving, waving in the air. I saw and heard the brambles scratching the empty space, and the grass being pressed as if underneath the steps of some invisible being. I was terrified. Softly I took to the path again, walking with difficulty. I felt a strange sensation of nervous exhaustion, as if I had been electrified by a strong current. Over my shoulders, I felt something like a bar, and in my back, a painful heat, as if I had been exposed to flames or some kind of burning ray. At times, I felt as if, if I was being brushed by an invisible brush. I must have walked like that for five or six minutes. At the end of the path, there was a turn, and from there, I could see houses, and the pains decreased a little bit. Everything had lasted about a quarter of an hour or twenty minutes, and it seemed like I had just been in an unreal world. Abruptly, I heard a great noise, like a violent wind during a storm. I saw the trees bending as if underneath a sudden storm and I was nearly thrown down. Almost at the same time, there was a strong blinding white light. I had the feeling that something flew through the air very fast, but I saw nothing. Soon everything became calm again. I felt discomfort and nausea. I reached the door of one of the nearby houses and when I opened the door, they came and asked me what had happened because they too had seen the light from their house. When I was able to speak at last, they told me that all of the fingers were still deeply marked in the flesh of my face. They applied peroxide. So like fingerprints? Yeah, like whatever grabbed her head. Like, like marks? They could see the marks, like wow. that it was holding her so tightly. Uh, they applied peroxide to the scratches and bathed my face with cold water. After a long lapse of time, I started again without, I started leaving the house without saying anything to anyone, and I came back home by another path. After I told my father and my mother and my brother what had happened, they filed a complaint with the police. The police came and interviewed me at length. They examined me, and they too observed marks of large fingers on my face. They concluded that there had been some kind of abduction attempt and told me that it was very strange and mysterious. They took me to the spot to continue their investigation there. They noted that some of the places that the brambles were black and scorched and that other places they seemed to have been pressed down and flattened. The fence in the pasture, which was made of wooden posts and barbed wire, was also burnt. And that's what it says. The previous day in the evening, the witness in this case had observed a kind of shooting star, which stopped abruptly and then appeared to go up and stay among the other stars for a while, and then to grow bigger and take on kind of a swinging motion, suddenly leaving on a curved trajectory. She had dismissed that incident from her mind at the time. The official investigation got nowhere and it was dropped, and the case is still carried as an unsolved abduction attempt what the hell i don't know i mean it, it that sounds is the weirdest thing I've yeah ever and that's heard. from a book by jacques valet so i mean it's i don't feel like that's fake but it's weird that this lady it almost sounds like robots yeah you know what like I mean? grabbed her head but this almost sounds like the uh um what's it called it's gonna show up again later in this where you can't see the creature it's like invisible Oh, cloaking? Like the cloaking. I can't remember what they call it. The Glimmer Man. It's almost oh, like the the, we had an episode on the Glimmer Man, and it's almost like the Glimmer Man where it's like a creature that's cloaked, but it's almost like metallic, like a yeah. robot. And then and to what's say, the scorching and the I don't burning? know. And then to, then to hear the voice saying, we got her. It's but just, And the way that the they describe the voice almost sounds mechanical or robotic yeah, too. Yeah, and it's like sounds like it's coming through water. I just thought that, that was a really... the weirdest thing I've ever A heard. really weird story. That's a head scratcher. That is, these are all head scratchers, <laughs> by the way. You're going you're gonna to hear that from Chris a lot. And this next one is kind of similar, and it's just weird. This one is from the Missing 411 subreddit. Yes. It says... This account is from Larry Kelm, who I personally spoke with during a BFRO, or Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, field trip in New Mexico. Quote, In the fall of 1980, I ran a small business as a construction contractor in Eugene, Oregon. 
During the slow times and in between jobs, I would don my backpack and hiking boots and disappear into the mountains for a week at a time, enjoying the peaceful solitude of long hikes. At that time, I was single and didn't answer to anyone, so I was free to do what I wanted when I wanted. I love that Boom. kind of life. That's me. Heck yeah. Because I live such a wild life. <laughs> <laughs> On the trip in question, I decided to hike the old Molala Indian Trail that followed the ridge tops from Saddle Blanket Mountain to Oak Ridge, one of the Native Americans' favorite summer camps and trading centers. It was a beautiful August day, two days into the hike, I expected to be gone about two weeks, when literally out of the blue, the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me in my life occurred. It would change my perspective of reality forever. I was walking along the trail, enjoying the strong breeze and bright sunshine, when in the middle of a step, everything around me started to turn gray and blurry. The only way I can describe it was as if I suddenly was looking through someone else's prescription sunglasses. Hmm. I finished the step and started another. Every inch I moved towards the darkness, the darkness increased and the gray blurring turned into a jumble of shapes that made no sense. I then seemed to pass a barrier and everything started to return back into focus. When my foot reached the ground on the second step, everything around me had changed. Day had turned into night, and there was no wind. All the Douglas fir and pine trees had been replaced with thick jungle-like growth. The cool, thin mountain air was replaced with a humid, thick air. There were no stars in the sky, but there was a sort of weird, diffused light that let me see everything clearly. However, I couldn't tell what the light source was. That's, That's just, weird. It is. It's like he stepped into another world. As often happens when the human body receives a massive dose of adrenaline, the entire incident appeared like it was in slow motion, and even though I was only there for a second or two, I had time to observe my surroundings. The silence was broken by a continuous high-pitched keening sound, and I was nearly overwhelmed with a sense of fear and danger. That is kind of, that makes me think of like something yeah. robotic again. Yeah. My momentum caused me to take one more step before stopping in my tracks. It was at this point that I heard one whispered word over my right shoulder. That whispered word was gotcha. Ah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if I heard it with my ears or just inside my head. The word wasn't directed at me, but something said the word quietly to itself. I was so terrified that I actually felt my heart stop for a moment. That whispered word is what saved me. I opened my mouth and gasped in a huge gush of thick air and recoiled backwards in the same footsteps that I had used when I entered whatever this was. As I threw myself backwards, I looked over my right shoulder. A dark-colored, hairy right hand and arm was reaching for my throat over my shoulder. The hand had pale, ivory, spade-shaped fingernails. The nails looked clean and almost had a manicured look to them. The thumb was placed lower towards the wrist on the hand than a human's is. Both hand and arm were thin and powerful looking and both were covered with thick, coarse black hair. I got a good look at it because the thumbnail grazed my neck. It did not break the skin as I moved backwards. As I continued to fall, the hand clutched where my neck had been a split second before and then it seemed to fade off into the distance as I returned through whatever this portal was. I took two more steps backwards and everything reversed itself from what had just happened. The world around me became brighter. The fir and pine trees gradually came back into view. And by the third step, I was back on Saddle Blanket Mountain. I continued to move backwards in terror. And as I did, I observed that where I had just come from, there was a shimmering oval patch of air about the size of a large door. The woods behind that looked like it was underwater. By the fifth backward step, the shimmering area seemed to just evaporate and everything was back to normal. By then, my lungs had nearly burst from the volume of air I had inhaled during the huge gasp I had just taken. My body felt like it was on fire from the adrenaline surge. I spun around and ran back down the trail as fast as my legs could take, and I didn't stop until I reached my truck. I was nearly two days getting to that place and about three hours getting back. <laughs> On my way home, I was absolutely horrified at the thought of what would happen if I were to drive my truck into something like that. It had been a trap, pure and simple. 
Whatever it was that tried to kill me somehow kept that portal hidden from me on the way in, and I didn't actually see it until I was coming back out again. I had terrible nightmares for years about that and still haven't come to grips with what happened. And that's like another, like a gotcha, like something is like grabbing these people. And there's some kind of weird... Like the high keening. Yeah, I, I suppose like, I couldn't. It doesn't need to be like but it, mechanical. Like it went from being like a bright sunny day to all yeah. of a sudden having this like night where there's just there's no stars. It's just this weird light, you know. You know, it also it could be. I'm. This is just me throwing stuff out in the universe. But somebody who has some kind of device that can alter your perception. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It actually reminds me. This is not really related, but sort of. Have you ever heard of a migraine with aura? No. So I had one a couple of weeks ago for the first time in my life. I've had migraines my whole life, but I've never had an aura. And my, when you said it was like looking, it was like I was looking through dirty glasses. My vision got totally messed up and I, I saw weird zigzag, like geometric. That's weird. Stuff. Yeah. It, I thought I was dying actually. <laughs> I was at work and I had just about had a heart attack. Turns out it was an aura that I was getting before a migraine is totally harmless. I just had no idea what it was. But yeah, my vision got totally messed up for like 20 minutes. It's weird. I don't, but I mean, so, a portal so my, does make sense, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they but, stepped I mean, into an alternate yeah, universe and, or something. But it's just weird that this one story, that first one is from like a woman in the 50s, and this one is like a newer one, and they're kind of the same. Where Very something, similar. Where something grabs them, says gotcha, gotcha or, yeah. says, or says, what did the first one say? The first one, it wasn't gotcha. We've the, got her. The first one was we've got her, which yeah. is weird. Like something's grabbing people, which mm-hmm. would explain some of the missing 411 stuff. And the hairy arm is kind of weird. And they, they're very similar for being two different stories. Only they're like strangely hands similar. Or, yeah, yeah, that is weird. So I just thought those were cool. Also from the missing 411 subreddit, this one was weird. A harrowing ordeal befell a jogger from an outlying district of the Puerto Rican city of Ponce in November 1979. His story appeared in the first issue of the island's Evidentia Avni. Yep. Okay, you read that? <laughs> Which gives his name as Hector Maldonado. Although this could be a pseudonym, and given the nature of the experience, a pseudonym would be completely understandable. According to Maldonado, he had gone for a morning jog on the salt flats near the Caribbean shore of Ponce. It was an average Saturday morning and a routine he had followed regularly. At one point, his run brought him near the mangrove swamp found in the area, where he happened upon a group of tall entities he described as standing between five and six feet tall with bald heads and slanted eyes that issued a glow from within rather than being reflected by an external source. Their skin was grayish-blue, shark-like, and he was unsure if he was seeing their skin or clothing. Grayish-blue. Yeah, it almost sounds like a gray. Shark-like is an interesting way to describe Yeah, but I think of like a gray, what a gray gym, but these are like five or six feet tall, and they're just standing there. One of the tall entities, which had been kneeling on the ground, focusing on some detail, rose to its full height, stood up, and pointed at the jogger. Maldonado reportedly felt the non-human figure's voice in his head, saying that I heard him tell the others, as if mocking me, quote, see how that one runs. What happened next was even stranger. The creature then started to run around in circles, covering large distances in seconds, as if it was displaying its prowess before rejoining the other creatures. Maldonado says, "Then I could." You want to race? That's what it was like. It was like he was. It was just weird. He's like, he was running. Yeah, right? see how that one runs, and then this one starts running in a circle, like he's mocking the guy. Like weird. Maldonado then says, "I could feel it in my mind when one of them looked at me and said to the other creatures, quote, let 'Let's take that one too.'" Oh my the god! Others replied, "As then we've already took other yeah, people." The others replied with something along the lines of, "Quote, just leave him alone.'" 
something like that. I felt panic when I heard that, and it made me run even faster because the one who had mocked me sort of smiled, and I noticed that he had big pointed teeth like Ooh, a shark. Oh, no. Maldonado was spared from a possible abduction, but never resumed his rec- recreational activities in that area, nor did he share his experience with others for many years. He says, quote, I didn't stop running until I got out of there. I was terrified. I said nothing to anyone, afraid that I wouldn't be believed. People would think that I had gone crazy. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> just the weird. pointy teeth got me. Yeah. It's just weird that I like to see how that one runs. And then he's yeah. like running around in a circle, just kind of mocking him. Mm. And then he says, let's take that one too, which is creepy. That's really weird. They sound like aliens though. Yeah. yeah they totally sound like aliens. All of these could be aliens. So these <laughs> next these next bunch have a stuff. I, I just remember now because I've been doing this for like so long with these stories. I kind of forgot how these kind of flow. But these next couple have something in common. And this is going to kind of lead to the discussion of another possible creature, kind of like the Glimmer Man, kind of like okay. like uh, Bigfoot. Like it's going to lead to the discussion of a creature, which is like super creepy too. These next couple stories have stuff in common. And for for these, I didn't use the Reddit user's name because I was debating if I should or shouldn't. And I went with shouldn't because I almost feel that's like doxing someone, like putting their name and some people don't want their stories used. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to do this without knowing if the people want their story. Oh, used. Right. If you happen to hear this and these are one of your stories and you don't want it used, let me know and I'll just edit that one you out. You know what, though? I feel like the second you put something on the internet, yeah. it's not really yours anymore. Yeah. I mean, and so the best we can do is give them the credit. But if you, I don't know. It's not like it's their real name either. Yeah. It's not like they published a book that we're reading from. It's a post in a, a you know a chat room basically. See, and these this one I this I don't know where I got this first part from because I don't have it written in here. But it says one odd behavior reported in some missing four one one disappearances is the victim's sudden and inexplicable departure from their course of travel. Mm-hmm. A teenage girl turns to look off at something in the trees, then fights her way into a forest at a very difficult and inconvenient spot. That's mm-hmm. Trini Gibson. Mm-hmm. A woman pulls over to the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, steps out of the car, leaving the door open, and simply walks off into the wilderness. One wants to ask these people what the heck was so interesting. Alas, there is no one to answer. Here, however, are some stories from the early 2000s that may give us a clue. Curiously, the first one from Ontario only has an auditory component. The second one from Maine has visual components. So these are two different stories that kind of tie in with this. The first one says... A young man named Tim Marshenko of Dorchester, Ontario, Canada, was shooting hoops outside one summer evening in 2001 when his father emerged from the house walking their golden retriever. Tim, 14 years old at the time, watched his father walk the dog down the road into the distance and out of sight. Suddenly, three digital beeping sounds came from the woods near their house in the opposite direction of where his father went. The boy shrugged and continued shooting hoops, but then the beeps came again. Wait, what? did it say what year this was? 2001. Okay. Yep. I'm just trying to think, okay, technology, what existed back then? Yeah, from a woods, though. Sudden, and this right. showed up in a lot of stories, not just here, but I read, like, once I read, there's, like, digital, there's, like, noises, like, beeping noises in the woods. Like, you think now, oh, that's someone's cell phone. Or but a back drone, in somebody's 2000... messing around with a drone over the woods. Yeah, back you know? then, cell phones weren't yeah. quite as yep. common, maybe, yep. I guess. So, suddenly, three digital beeping sounds came from the woods near their house in the opposite direction from where his dad had gone. The boy shrugged and continued shooting hoops. The beeps came again. Then a voice came out from the trees saying, quote, Tim, come here for a second. I found something. Tim assumed it was his father and that he found a beeper or cell phone. 
Yet the voice was deeper. Ev- that yeah, tells you. <laughs> yeah. Yet the voice was evasive when he asked what was going on. Just kept repeating things like, "Quote, just come here, hurry up! I found something." Follow but it was my- in the sound of his dad's voice. He thinks it was in the sound of his dad's voice, Ooh, who had walked off in the other direction. That's creepy. Yeah, the voice like was evasive, and when he kept asking what was going on, it just kept saying things like, quote, just come here, hurry up, I nope. found something, follow my voice, nope. and quote, Tim, come in the woods, I got to show you something. Ah. The, <laughs> the beeping and the voice's demands continued, and Tim wandered over, only to stop at the edge of the trees. Tim says, quote, I realized then that the voice was only using a certain number of words and phrases, almost as if it was automated and only knew how to speak those particular words. Then the noises stopped, and after a while, his dad came back up the road with a dog. Of course, his dad hadn't found any beeping thing or, in fact, hadn't gone into that woods. To this day, Tim wonders what would have happened to him if he had followed the voice into the forest. I feel like I've heard something similar to this before. There's a lot. This shows up a lot. We're good. These, that's what these next stories are, a well, lot of this. And specifically, like, it would only say certain things. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it had, it had yeah. been pre-programmed with yes. certain phrases, and that's all it would yep. say. So then this next one... Student interviewer Hannah Dean turned this story in on December 11th, 2000. She collected it from a friend of hers who wished only to be known as Sam. One winter's night, Sam woke up from a deep sleep. Wait, wait, wait. This is the one that freaked me out. This is the one okay, that freaked I'm ready, me out when I'm I was ready. reading at 3 in the morning. I already have the chills. Go Student ahead. interviewer <laughs> Hannah Dean turned this story in on December 11th, 2000. She collected it from a friend of hers who wished to be known only as Sam. One winter's night, Sam woke up from a deep sleep. His intuition insisted that something was terribly wrong in the house and that he had to get out. It was similar to that ominous feeling that sometimes alerts us to a house fire or an intruder. Whatever it was, it was an overwhelming sensation. Sam threw on his clothes and rushed out the front door into the ice-cold, moonlit night. The intuition feeling came again, surprisingly specific. Sam was sure that he needed to get into his car. He obeyed the impulse, but he didn't go anywhere. He simply sat there inside his car, puzzled and worried. The woods ran up to the edge of Sam's family's property. As the young man sat in his cold vehicle, something even more perplexing happened. Someone or something emerged from the forest. Across the field, as the dark figure stepped out of the woods into the bright moonlight, Sam realized that it was his family. His father, his mother, and his younger sister slowly walked out of the woods and stopped at the edge of the open field. Utterly confused, Sam climbed out of his car. His family members just sat there looking at him and then started motioning for him to come over. Nope. Sam walked away from his vehicle and started across the yard. As he approached them, however, a new feeling came over him that there was something terribly wrong. This was not so much a hunch as it was the fact that his parents and his sister did not call to him or start towards him. They didn't utter a sound. They just stood there and waved at him to come closer, almost frantically. The fact that none of them spoke a word finally broke the young man's nerve. He turned and ran back into the house. He slammed and locked the door behind him. He turned to run up the stairs as well, but to his shock, his father stood at the top of the staircase asking what was going on. In a few moments, his mother and sister appeared as well. They had all been in sleep inside all the while. Whatever had come out of the woods and beckoned to Sam, it was not his family. Some have suggested that Sam might have been sleepwalking. The young man could only say that he had no history of sleepwalking before or after that night. This event disturbed Sam so much, in fact, that he would not speak of it for years until student collector Hannah Dean wormed it out of him in 2000. Hannah adds, quote, what I'm wondering is what would have happened to Sam if he had gone with his, quote, family into the woods. That's the one that creeps me oh, out. Oh, that totally gave me the and chills. That's, that's, yeah, like the first one is like the voice of his dad coming. Yeah. And this one yeah. is like the image of his mom, dad, and sister stepping out of the woods and just like beckoning him to come to the woods. There's this some... is the one that, I, that creeped me out at three o'clock yeah. in the morning when I read it. 100%. And this kind of 
kind of gets into like our doppelganger episode. There's something incredibly sinister about something mimicking someone you trust. Yeah either vocally or visually to try to get you to come. Yeah. That's so sinister and to that, me. That's the common thread in these stories Ooh, that I have right here. So creepy. But yeah, that's the one that, that freaked me out. Like the idea of seeing your mom and dad and sister step out of the woods and just stand there beckoning yeah. you to come to them. That's a big nope for me. I'm going to nope that one. This next one was from Reddit. It says, hey, my name is David and I'm from Alabama. I have a question. About six years ago, I went to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee to just get away from it all and to get some spiritual time in nature, which I enjoy. I picked an isolated camp about a mile away from some cabins that my family used to go to when I was a kid. I was walking on a trail enjoying nature about half a mile away from that campsite. All of a sudden, here's another thing that pops up all the time today in these stories and in other stories, all of a sudden the woods went quiet. No Ah, birds, no bugs in this sweet, nice midsummer day. Hell, even the air was silent and still. In the distance, about 50 to 60 yards away, I saw what looked like my uncle. He kept motioning me to come over to him with one arm while his other arm was wrapped around a tree. He kept saying, quote, hey, come over here, look at this, over and over, with his head moving in an almost animalistic way like a bird looking all around. Ah, no, no, no. I couldn't really see his face too good because of the trees, but all my hair stood up and this feeling of dread started in my gut. It was around sunset. Now, the creepy thing is that I'm 33 and my uncle had been dead for about 20 years at that oh, time. Oh, okay. The thing that That's I saw, key information. the thing that I saw, I knew wasn't my uncle. So I followed my gut feeling and just turned around and ran back to my camp. I packed up and left and didn't report it to the ranger station. I just got the hell out of there. I haven't even set foot that deep in the woods since the experience. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Am I just a nutcase? I told my mom about the experience. She passed away in September 2020, so I really don't talk about this, but I always wondered if I was crazy or did I really experience something paranormal? I'm Caucasian, not Native American. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but does anyone know? I got into the missing 411 books recently and my curiosity is piqued. Can anyone answer this for me? So I don't know. We got another, like the, the yeah. head looking around like a bird, like that's animalistic weird. like a bird. And he, yeah. It's his dead uncle. And that they just keep repeating the same thing over yeah. and over again. Yeah. That's yep. weird. That's so creepy. And the next one says, quote, so I'm not sure if this would be the right place to post this, but the story has followed me for a few years now, and I'm curious if anyone has an explanation or theories. A few years ago, my boyfriend worked in a warehouse that was out in the middle of nowhere. It was in between railroad tracks and a river. On one side of the warehouse, there was a dense forest. He had gotten done at work around 8 o'clock p.m. right as the sun was setting. He was sitting outside waiting for his ride and talking to me on the phone. The conversation was normal until all of a sudden I heard his tone change. My boyfriend isn't one to show his emotions, but I could instantly tell something was wrong. I asked him what was going on, and he explained that he thought he had heard the sound of a baby crying inside the woods. Now, I probably would have second-guessed and thought he was joking around because that's kind of his personality, but by the way he was talking, I could tell that he was serious. The cries went on for a little while, and he said that they eventually turned into whales and that it didn't sound like it was too far away. He disconnected our call and sent me an audio recording of what he was hearing. Sure enough, there were sounds of a baby crying. He told me he was tempted to go into the woods to try to find the source of the sound, and I begged him not to. Something about it didn't feel right. Thankfully, his ride came to get him before he could step into the forest. I've heard these kinds of stories before, and many say that it's something or someone in the forest trying to lure people in with the sound of a baby crying, but I just can't wrap my head around that. It honestly still gives me chills when I think about it to this day. Even my boyfriend doesn't like talking about it because I think it genuinely freaked him out. I'm just curious to see what you guys make of this. I've listened to tons of animal sounds on YouTube, and nothing sounds like what we heard. 
But there are animals that do sound big like cats. a baby. Yes. Well, and big cats can sound like a woman screaming. Yes, and that comes which into is play. That's so gonna, crazy. That comes into play in some of these stories too. Ugh. So I don't yeah, know. Animals can make really weird noises, yeah, especially but, if they're injured. And that's the thing is that is it could it have been an animal? It could have Maybe. been. But you know, a lot of these people say they went and listened to all these sounds of animals that people said, and they said it wasn't like that. It was. It was not like that. It kind of it, it harkens to the whole theory that um, if you come across what you think is a child spirit, question that because it's probably could be something dark trying to gain your trust kind yeah. of thing. It's the same sort of idea. So the next story, this was about four or five-ish years ago. Back then, I lived with my mother in a shed on a farm surrounded by woodland. Our farmland was part of a larger piece of farmland that was split up and sold off, so we did have neighbors, though they were roughly half a kilometer away each. We loved that because of the privacy. It wasn't like that there wasn't anybody nearby that I couldn't go to if I needed help. That thought is what had me fearlessly walking alone at night between the hours of 7 and 8 p.m., sometimes fluctuating from earlier to later depending on the day. Sometimes I even went out for a walk at 2 a.m. because I was restless and couldn't sleep. Looking back, this was incredibly stupid, and after this incident, I never walked after 6 p.m. again, always making sure that there was at least some sunlight left when I set out. The route I always took was like a road circuit. The first part was out in the open in front of all the other farms, including our own. If anything had happened, at least one person would have probably been close, and reception was pretty good, so I would have been able to call someone. The second half, on the other hand, was concealed by about 200 meters of woods between the farms and the back road stretching the full two kilometers at the back of the farm, and it was during that part of the walk when I had this creepy encounter. It was late at night. I can't remember what time exactly, but it was pitch black with the exception of my flashlight. I was about to approach the turn in the loop that would bring me out into the open again when I heard it come from the woods. Just one word, help. It was in this monotone voice that repeatedly asked for help. It didn't seem panicked in the least. I took my headphones out and turned my music off to make sure I was hearing it correctly, but it didn't stop. I just kept hearing over and over. The monotone piece really creeps me out. I just kept hearing over and over, help, help. A very stupid part of me almost responded because for some reason my first instinct was, oh no, someone's in trouble. Well, that's if you're a human, that's going to be your instinct. Yep. I was 16 or 17 at the time. Of course, then my brain kicked in and I realized that approaching that voice was just about the stupidest possible thing I could do, so I quietly started backing away. My cat tended to follow behind me a distance on these walks, and the cat wasn't backing away with me. She was walking towards the voice, softly hissing. I remember desperately trying to get my cat to come back towards me without alerting the voice to my presence just in case they hadn't noticed me yet. But I was getting scared and I didn't want to stay there a moment more, so I ran forwards, grabbed my cat, turned around, and bolted back towards my house. Hmm. I don't know if it was stupid of me to turn my back to the voice because I was making so much noise while running that there was no way they didn't know I was there, and I didn't know if they were giving chase or not. I was so terrified that whole time. The image of someone cloaked in shadows chasing me kept entering my mind, and even though I couldn't hear anyone behind me, I never slowed down once until I was back safe and sound within my yard. Despite how terrifying it was, there was still a part of me that was concerned about whatever it was because what if someone had really needed help? So I asked my mom to drive us to the location. Another stupid decision considering what we found, which was nothing. We (laughs) called out and called out, but nobody answered. We didn't get out of our car, though. Neither of us were that stupid. We drove home seeing no one anywhere on the road. But it still bothered me in the morning, so I had my mom drive us over again, and we searched the whole area. Nothing. There was no indication that anyone had ever been there. Props to him for grabbing the cat. 
Yeah. <laughs> was the cat okay? I mean, they were searching for a body. They said they were actually searching for a body, sure. which admittedly they say was a drastic thing to search for. But I know that shock can leave you eerily calm, which might have explained the monotone voice and the lack of response afterwards made me fear that we'd been too late and we'd find a body out there in the morning, but we didn't. Hmm. I don't know if I would have actually preferred this outcome because then at least I would have had a, I would have then had a Rational. face to the voice. Yeah. But no, we found absolutely nothing. And to this day, I have no idea who that voice belonged to and why they just why they just kept calling out for help in such a monotone voice. My mind has naturally come to some chilling conclusions and theories that leave me unable to sleep. A rapist, a kidnapper, a serial killer, all the classic horror stories. But I guess I'll never really know for sure. And then somebody replied saying, quote, I heard the same type of voice one or two years ago. I was awake at 4 a.m. and I heard this same monotone hoarse voice calling for help at least 30 times. It was 100% a human voice. It was not an animal. The unsettling thing for me is that the sound came from the vacant lot at the side of my house because I can see the entire street from my window. The only place that I can't see is pressed up against the wall directly underneath my window. The only thing that I can imagine is some kind of weird maniac pressed up against a wall while trying to lure me out of my home. I woke up my parents to ask if they heard it too, and they said they also heard it. When the sun came up, we went out there to see, and there was nothing. No body, no single drop of blood, no footprints. And then somebody replied, and this is where we get into new, like this new type of creature that we're going to talk about. This person says, quote, I believe you heard the mimic, also known as the flesh gate. And the flesh gate is, <laughs> Krista's shaking her head. Let's go with the mimic. <laughs> F-L-E-S-H-G-A-I-T. Okay. That's the flesh gate. Yeah. They can sound like a baby crying, a woman screaming, or someone saying, help, help. They do this to try to lure humans out to where they want them to be. If that ever happens again, ignore it and call the police to come out and investigate. I'm so happy you didn't follow that voice. So now we have an article from ParanormalAuthority.com, which I think we've used before. Okay. And it's called, quote, What is a Flesh Gate? It is from December 2nd, 2019. By now, everyone has heard of a skinwalker. Skinwalkers are evil Native American witches that are capable of shapeshifting and enjoy wreaking havoc on onlookers. But lately, people have started to notice a different creature lurking out in the woods. Tales of these strange beings have started to surface all throughout the world, but they're especially common among areas around national parks in the United States. Without any other way to describe them, people started calling them flesh gates. Here's what paranormal fans need to know about these creatures. A flesh gate is a creature that mimics the voices and appearances of people in the woods, often with the intent of luring them away. Those who have seen flesh gates in their, quote, natural appearance claim that they are extremely tall, thin, gray beings with long claws and no hair. It's generally agreed that flesh gates are predatory towards humans, with many people believing that they lure people deeper out into the woods in order to eat them. Some also believe that flesh gates are responsible for the missing 411 disappearances, although no proof has ever been given to that. What powers do flesh gates have? This is up for debate because simply no one has seen the full extent of their powers. Here's what most people believe based on reports, that they do voice mimicking. Most flesh gates can only mimic voices they've heard and can only say phrases they've already heard. They can mimic both humans and animals. Many people say that hearing a flesh gate's call can be mesmerizing and difficult to resist, even when they know that the voice they're hearing isn't the person that they believe it's coming from. Ooh, it's like a and, siren. And that's, yeah, it's like a siren. But this shows up in so many of these stories, mm -hmm. and it's going to show up in more today. They're also known for super speed. They're known for being unnaturally fast, often able to vanish into the woods quickly. They're known for excessive strength. This is often pointed out after animals are found ripped apart in areas where flesh gates are reported. Though a lot of flesh gate reports shape that these creatures can shapeshift, not all reports do. Still, reports of shapeshifting flesh gates happen frequently enough that believing in their shifting abilities is standard. 
Throughout history, many people have claimed to experience the phenomenon of hearing loved ones call them into the woods or even seeing companions' figures walking away from them into the woods. Those who follow these mimics often feel a sense of panic when they notice they're lost and they run away then from the voice. Many campers claim to notice a member of their party missing only for them to show up. Then they notice that the camper in question doesn't seem quite like themselves. That's so creepy. That's really creepy. <coughs> like they come back. Yeah. In most cases. A these, shell. Yep. <laughs> in most cases, these people can only then repeat words that have been said around them. Eventually, campers find their real missing friend only to have the flesh gate disappear. Ah. Sometimes Krista doesn't like that. <laughs> Blacking all Sometimes over mimicking isn't involved. Others have claimed to feel an unnatural stillness in the woods before they see the hands or the figure of a flesh gate in its natural form. This suggests that flesh gates might also stalk their prey in the most primal sense of the word. Mm-hmm. What sounds do flesh gates make? It all depends on what they're doing. Flesh gates have a number of different sounds associated with them aside from the voices that they mimic. These include people noting that screams, low moans, and dual-pitched shrieks are all heard... F- Ooh, dual-pitched yeah. shrieks? Yeah. People have noted that screams, low moans, and dual-pitched shrieks are all heard prior to fleshgate sightings. It could be their way of communicating with one another. This one I don't like. I hate this word. There's also reportedly chittering sounds. Chittering? Often described like a noise from the movie Alien, this quick teeth chattering oh. sound tends to happen at times when a fleshgate is about to strike. They also occasionally hiss. Whistling in the woods is considered to be a bad omen by many Native American tribes, as well in cert- as well as in certain places in Asia. Bigfoot, that's a Bigfoot thing sometimes too, is whistling. The chittering or the whistling. whistling. Yep. Many ascribe them to both skinwalkers, flesh gates, or other creatures. And then we get to this, and this is something we've also talked about, something called panic in the woods. And they put the word pan, all capital, as in the god pan, okay. which people believe is the spirit of the woods. So it says, panic in the woods is a known phenomenon which occurs when the woods suddenly become deathly silent to the point that it causes an intense fear in humans who are around. The fear often feels like a moment of impending death or being stalked by a large animal. The only way to make panic in the woods subside is to run and continue to run until the forest returns to normal. Those who ignore the instinct often find themselves being attacked by predators in the forest. That being said, there seems to be a tie-in between flesh gates and panic in the woods. Many people who were lured out into the woods after a flesh gate mimicked a loved one claimed that they knew something was wrong when the woods around them went totally silent. It could be that flesh gates are the reason for panic in the woods or at least one of the symptoms that come from a flesh gate attack. Signs that a flesh gate is nearby. So let's say you're camping with some friends and something weird just happened. How can you tell if it's a flesh gate? Well, these signs definitely suggest it might be time to pack up and leave. You hear someone who's nearby calling out your name, even though it's clear that that person in question isn't calling you. That reminds me of you hearing Vicky say your name <gasps> at Elsing's. When and I have it on On audio, yeah. And Vicky yes. didn't say your name, but something that sounded like Vicky said oh, your name. It still creeps me out. Yep. One woman claims that she heard her mother calling for help in the woods, even though she knew her mother was 20 miles away, but she still felt a strong urge to chase after that voice anyway. Eventually, her mother's voice gave away to a strange chattering noise, which sparked her to run. Or if the group you're with feels larger than before, people often claim to feel an extra person around their group before a flesh gate attack. That's weird. Or if you see claws wrap around a tree, and that was in the story with the guy with his uncle that said he had his hand like around a tree, yeah. which is weird. So I was if picturing you, it yeah, like... If the, you see yeah. claws wrap around a tree or an inhumanly slender figure nearby, it could be a flesh gate. Many people see their hands wrapped around trees or see them standing nearby. Some even call them golem-like in appearance. Ooh, yep. creepy. There are reports of animals being killed in strange ways or strange disturbances nearby. This is a given considered the predatory behavior of flesh gates. If the forest suddenly grows quiet and unnaturally still, 
might be a flesh gate. So how do you prevent flesh gates from targeting you? There's really no idea. There's really no idea. Some of the guesses say avoid wearing bright colors in the woods. Uh, I don't know. It's known that bright colors can attract animals, but it's also believed that bright colors might attract malevolent spirits. Another one, don't go near the woods. It's obvious, but it works. <laughs> Another one, stay in groups. Don't venture off alone, period. That's how they attack you. And if you start to feel fearful for any reason in the woods, it's time for you to leave. Those are your instincts protecting you. Hmm. Creepy, so that creepy, is something creepy. called a flesh gate. Uh, let's call it the mimic because I don't like. You don't flesh like flesh gate? gate? No. I like mimic. I think I mimics too. are cool because, the, but it's just weird it's how what it is. It's weird how that's such a commonality is mm-hmm. hearing somebody you know call you from the woods or hearing a baby call you from the woods, which could be a, an animal of some kind. It could be. There's a lot of animals that do sound like these. Like big cats can sound like screams yes. or babies. Yep. Uh, cats in heat can sound like. They make weird yeah, and and somebody suggested that's why that person's cat was oh. hissing because that was a cat in heat. Could be. Which is possible. Mm-hmm. But that person swears it was not a cat noise. That, that they, they searched all sorts of cat noises. Yeah. So that is something called the, the mimic or a flesh gate. That's super creepy. So because this is creepy, I'm throwing one here that's not creepy, but I love this story. Okay. This one is, this is, so... Taking a little break from the happy creepy, interlude. Happy interlude. Taking a break from the mimic, from the flesh gate, from the family coming out of the woods, beckoning you to come to the woods. So this is from Reddit. One day, a friend of ours found a weird garden gnome just sitting in her backyard, <laughs> seeming to be... Po- I already love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seemingly pointing at her. She didn't put it there, and when we showed up for a barbecue, she showed it to us. She was freaked out and was oddly afraid to touch it, but we all said it was obviously just some kids pranking her or somebody throwing it in her yard. It was Babette from the, the Gilmore Girls. The next day, she went out, and the lawn gnome was gone. A few weeks later, she saw a lawn gnome just like it on her way to work. She even took a picture of it, and I have to admit, it was really similar. She let it be and thought nothing of it until she saw another lawn gnome near the house of a friend of ours and once or more twice around in town. Weird. She saw another one sitting outside a B&B in Edinburgh, Scotland that we recommended, then at a hedge in Provence. Then she saw it in the background of a picture that we all took in Las Vegas on our last day there near the pool at the Mandalay Bay. We all agreed it looked a lot similar, but we assured her it has to just be a popular model. There's no way it could be the same gnome. It was the same gnome. We took it that night of the barbecue. The owner of the B&B in Scotland is an old friend of ours, and he we sent it to him in the mail two days before she arrived. I positioned it on the side of the road several times, but she only saw it once or twice. I think she was beginning to suspect me, so when it showed up at her friend's neighbor's house, I made sure I was out of the country. She actually accused me of doing this, but I just laughed and said, A, I was on a different continent, and B, it couldn't possibly be the same gnome. If it was, there'd have to be dozens of people involved or some sort of conspiracy. (laughs) That's actually pretty accurate, because including several of her sisters and most of her friends, there's a ton of people that have been involved, and it's been going on for 11 years now. (gasps) The gnome gnome is actually in the background of several more of her vacation shots, most recently in a coffee house in Seattle. I have a friend there, and they met for coffee, and the gnome was there in the background. She hasn't spotted it yet in the met your friend picture they sent me but she will and when she does we'll all poo poo it pretty sure she isn't on reddit we'd hate to blow this thing after so long so i thought that was it's funny equal parts funny and really mean <laughs> it is it is like they're gaslighting her basically yeah. all right so next one i believed comes from the missing 411 uh subreddit again 
David Politis's most recent book, Missing 411 Hunters, and the recent podcast referring to it touch upon a frightening phenomenon, sightings of something that is almost but not quite invisible, like the alien hunter of the Predator movies, like the Glimmer Man. Mm-hmm. If you've clicked on damn things, I don't know what that is, you know invisible things have been seen or at least encountered. A few days ago, oddly enough, I found among Isn't my... Isn't that mo- like a invisible things have been seen? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah think about that for a minute it doesn't make sense but <laughs> no. a okay. few days ago oddly enough i found among my many scattered papers a single page torn from the 40 and times number 114 september 1998 i kept looking over it wondering why i had it and then i found a letter from one hazel aitken on page 51 it seems a few years previously, Hazel, her husband, and their three sons on a road trip had stopped near Lead Hills, a village 50 miles south of Glasgow, Scotland. They wandered around a grassy hillside near some ruined buildings. Apparently, this was some kind of scenic area because other families were clamoring around the ruins too. Hazel sat on a crumbling wall in the bright sunshine as her family spread out across the site. I love that name, by the way. I do too. Hazel. Suddenly, she noticed that in a spot about 25 feet away, the tall grass had flattened for no apparent reason. Otter still, she writes... The flattened patch was a precise square of about six square feet. Fascinated, I watched as the square began to move slowly down the slope. At least that's what appeared to be happening. The grasses over which it had already passed bobbed back up almost immediately, while the grass in front of it flattened at its approach. Hazel called for her family to come over to see the phenomenon, and the square stopped moving for about 10 seconds. So it's kind of like a UFO. Yeah. Okay. It's like an invisible glimmer man kind of thing. Yeah. Only but it's a square. W- yep. Okay. So she called for her family to come over. Only one son obeyed, but he watched with his mother as this weird square seemingly kept moving again. Hazel yelled, come here, everyone, and then the square stopped again as if it hurt her. The next time it moved, it seemed to pick up speed, and it seemed to be moving in an erratic path towards the witness, which is creepy. Hell no. Hazel felt quickly growing panic. She yelled, let's get out of here. No one argued, and the family jumped back in the car and left, and she said, quote, I was certain we had just had a close call with danger. Well, that's creepy. Yeah, so that's weird. Uh it's, it's like a Glimmer Man thing where it's like this invisible thing. Yeah. This invisible square that's you, showing up. Not invisible. I mean, there's something you can see. That's why. This next it. one is weird. Okay. This one, I don't know. Don Collinson in the Liverpool Echo of February 9th, 2008 uncovered a bizarre old story. Apparently, early in November 1953, two boys, David, age 12, and Alan, age 11, their last names withheld, were playing cowboys and Indians south of Liverpool in a section of woods called the, quote, Little Woods. At about 4.30 p.m., they built a campfire. As Alan, showing some very questionable wisdom, was firing flaming arrows into the trees, <laughs> David, <Okay>. spotted, <laughs> David spotted an enormous tabby cat, about four feet tall and about 20 feet away from them. The creature said, quote, Hello, children, in a clear, well-spoken voice. So it must have been Chef from South Park, apparently. <laughs> The boys ran away in terror and stumbled out into a nearby street where they were almost hit by a bus. Predictably, their parents did not believe the story. The boys girded up their courage and ventured out in the woods again the very next day, lighting a fire again around 4.30. The enormous cat came slinking out of the woods, arched its back, and then plopped down by the fire opposite from the boys. It gave its name as Samil, S-E-M-E-E-L, and said that it was something called a, quote, guardian. It warned the boys to stay out of the woods because a local man, um, whose name the boys recognized, was lurking there waiting to kill them. Oh my God. Then it got up and trotted off into the trees. The boys' parents were still unimpressed because the man, Samil, accused of planning to kill the boys, was in Wales at that time. 
However, several days later, the police discovered that the man had secretly returned from Wales. He had built a rough dwelling in that woods and was living there while the boys played nearby, unknowing. Furthermore, the man had unsuccessfully tried to abduct a child five years earlier, and the man later confessed that he had been planning to abduct David and Alan. The boys encountered the guardian, Samil, three more times, but the giant cat apparently did not like the way the forest was being cleared for a housing project because it never appeared to them again. So that's weird. That's really weird. If that's real. But I mean, it was in in the newspaper, but for all you know, it could have been like the April Fool's Day edition. But it's just a a cool story that this thing came out and and kind of uh, was like a guardian angel, basically. Like a cat four foot cat guardian angel which is a cool a idea tabby cat and i like that it just plopped down by the fire and was just did a little stretch yep. did a chill now i'm going to get into some wisconsin stories Ooh, wisconsin this first one's for krista yes. just for you yes from reddit hi i'd like to ask if anyone else has had an experience like this i've had a handful of weird things happen in the woods in the years that i've been out camping this one and one other experience have stuck with me a lot So this happened in September 2017 in the Kettle Moraine State Forest in southeast Wisconsin, where Krista and Jim go quite a bit. We were just there last weekend. Yeah, yep. Two friends and I decided to do a last-minute camping trip before the end of summer, and classes got into full swing. I was going into my grad school year, and my two friends were going to be seniors. None of us had been drinking when this happened. We set up camp and decided to go for a hike along the Ice Age Trail. I always walk the Ice Age Trail Mm -hmm. up by me. We set up camp and decided to go for a hike along the Ice Age Trail that ran next to the campground before it got too dark. We didn't leave with a specific plan in mind, but we found a loop trail and continued on that. This section of the woods had trails that were on top of a ridge, so there were pretty steep drop-offs on either side. Not like you'd die if you fell, but it was a pretty steep 20-foot hill drop, so you can't really go off trail. So the trail is probably four or five miles long, and by this point, we're getting on our last mile, and the sun is setting. We didn't realize that it would take so long, so none of us had our headlamps with us, but that's fine since we guesstimated that we only had about another mile left or so. We round a small corner, and the trail ahead has trees arching from either side of the path overhead, creating a kind of doorway. That wouldn't be a big deal, except for the fact that the area in the doorway was shimmering, almost like when you drop a stone into water and it ripples and sloshes around a bit. We all stopped, and one of us said something along the lines of, quote, Am I dehydrated, or does that look weird? But that's the best way I can describe it, at least. We all saw it, but there was no turning back at this point. We had only maybe 30 minutes of daylight left. We couldn't really go around it because of the drop-offs, and we couldn't turn around. Finally, one of us, I think it was me, but I don't recall for certain, stuck their arm through. Nothing happened. It still looked the same, shimmering like water or heat off a blacktop on a hot day, but it, you could still see your arm. We all walked through it, and we were fine, seemingly. We joked for a few weeks or days that we stepped into an alternate universe. I'm only friends with one of the friends now, and a few years later I brought it up to her, and she just said that she, quote, didn't want to think about it. It didn't impact me that way. I just still think about it all the time. Anyway, I've heard the stories of stairs in the woods, but we can't be the only ones to encounter a portal in the woods. Hmm. So next time you go to Kel Moraine, look for one of those portals. I will. I just think that's cool. Like The portal thing is fascinating to me. Like I, I believe the portal thing. Mm-hmm. I, I know we talked about Bigfoot and stuff, but I, I do think that some of this stuff comes from portals. I yeah. really do. Next one. Hello, all. I'd like to share an experience I had while training with my National Guard unit at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. I have not ever been into paranormal activity as a subject of interest. I originally got into these topics by gawking at some of the more outlandish things in high strangeness, which is another subreddit I go to. 
But the deeper I dug, the more I found what seems to be genuine people sharing real experiences. This subreddit in particular strikes me as largely honest and earnest. In that spirit, I would like to share a story about one of the few unexplainable instances that have happened in my life. It's certainly the most significant. Sorry for typos. I'm doing this on my cell phone. (laughs) I am a member of the National Guard in Wisconsin. I moved from enlisted to officer via ROTC. Yep. What is that? Shoot, what is ROTC? I don't know. They use some acronyms that I don't really remember. I feel like it's one of the, it's like a, I don't want to say it wrong. Okay. It feels like a training thing. Yeah, and I was attached to a unit in my prospective MOS while in the program. I don't really want to give specifics on my service, as the community is small enough to identify me to peers in the unlikely circumstance that they're on this subreddit. In Reserve two- Officer Training Corps. Okay. I was close. You're, you're close. <laughs> yep. In 2014, my platoon decided to conduct nighttime land navigation at Fort McCoy from 2030 hours to 0030 hours. While the Army is typically all about buddy pairs, night land navigation is one of the few cases we can do things solo if we choose. Having done night land navigation plenty before, I stepped off alone, compass, map, and headlamp in hand. For those who don't know, land navigation involves seeking out markers on a course by plotting their coordinates on a map and moving there via terrain reference and compass. At night, this is typically done without light as much as possible. When light is used, it's red. This minimizes damage to night vision. These methods also keep you concealed in a tactical environment when employed with noise discipline. I bring this up so you can understand a few things about my circumstance. I was moving through the woods while making a token effort to be hard to spot or hear. Hmm. The woodlands I was in was part of a larger forest system, but it was frequently traveled. That night, we had some... That night, we had some 15-ish soldiers out there clomping around. My illumination was a toggleable headlamp, but it was toggled to be red when turned on. To cycle to white light, I'd have to turn it off twice. The cycle was off, solid white, off, flashing white, off, solid red, off, flashing red, off, solid white. My assigned points would take me to the other side of the course and back, a good hour and a half of walking as the crow flies. They're more or less in a straight line, so I estimated about two and a half hours out and back. I knew if I came back too early, I might be given another set of coordinates, so I decided to head out slowly, take a break for about an hour, and then mosey on back. The first half of this goes as planned. I get to my points without any trouble and wind up sitting on a hillside around 10 o'clock at night. It's cloudy, but the moon is full. I can see wellish when the sky is clear, poorly when it's not. Occasionally, I do see a red light bobbing in the distance below me. Once, a pair of platoon members passed down the hill for me using white light to try to read their map. I startled them when I asked if they needed help. (laughs) At the end of my break, there's no more motion in my area. Most people had likely already walked out and back, or they were too lost and took the hand-railing road home. I'm feeling pretty at one with my surroundings, having sat in the same spot, eating stale Skittles for a long time. Owls hoot, trees sway, all is well. I trot down my hill and step through some brush. I'm in a clearing where prairie intersects forest. There are some dead trees in the area, and one of them is split about halfway up. At the top, which is about 15 feet, I can make out a head and shoulder silhouette against the clouds backlit by the moon. I walk up to ask them how they got up there and if they're stuck when the shadow twitches and I get the impression it's turned its head towards me. I stand there, Krista's Krista's eyes just got wide. When the shadow twitches and I get the impression it's turned looking at me. I stand there looking at it and it's looking back at me. The situation feels off, but I'm not going to let a battle buddy punk me. I ask if they need a hand. Mid-sentence, the moonlight comes back. It's clear that the thing on the tall stump is not a soldier. The moonlight glimpse is the best look I get at the thing. It looks like a stretched out bald person. Its long arms are clutching the stump. I can't make out the face, but it looks pinched. By that, I mean I can't see its eyes or mouth, like they were super small and in the middle of the head. 
It's skinny like it hadn't eaten, but it's tall and obviously strong enough to have made such a vertical climb. It was definitely facing me. It probably was the whole time I was in a clearing. Maybe since I came down the hill. Maybe my speech startled it. I swear loudly, and then it rapidly scurries down the trunk. I flick on my red light and catch it running on all fours, moving toward the <gasps> brush line in the direction that I'm heading. Automatically, I keep toggling the lamp to be in the white light. This means it goes off, then to flashing red. In the flash, I see the thing at the wood line, but I think it's flipped around and is backing in backwards to keep its eyes on me. Oh, that's so creepy. In the few seconds it takes for me to get to the white light, the thing is gone. I scan the tree line, which is silent. When I moved, there was this weird scraping noise. Plus, the woodland brush is dense. If, I was, if the thing was still running, I would hear it. I reason that it had to stop. It must still be out there watching me. I fumble out my knife and keep looking around the woods in front of me. After ages, I start inching along a perpendicular path to my initial route of travel, an angle that will link me up with the hardball road that runs up and down the side of the course. Once I'm in the road, I can take it back to where my platoon is. My major problem is that the road is 10 minutes of walking away from my current position, mostly woodland. That can't be helped. I have to get out to the clearing first. My progress on that front is painfully slow. I'm fighting my natural urge to freeze in place like a deer in the headlights. After sidestepping a good 10 meters or so, I hear a corresponding rustle and I think I see movement. It's enough to get me to turn and bolt right into a down log, which trips me. I scramble back up to my feet and look back to the wood line where there is an audible commotion. I glimpse a leg and a butt moving back out into the woods. At this point, I'm done with the whole situation, but I don't want to run again. I start power walking to the road, turning to look as much as I can while seeing what this thing is doing. Over the movement of my own kit pack, I can hear it moving alongside me parallel. As I near the end of the clearing, I think I hear it picking up pace as if to cut me off. I make the decision to sprint. When I enter the woods, my path is clear, but I think I can hear it in my periphery. I don't stop, and I keep running hard until I hit the paved road. I fall a few times along the way, but I recover with a frantic speed that I cannot consciously replicate. Once I'm in the road, I run perpendicular to the forest until I don't think I hear it anymore. I'm winded for my breakout run. From the middle of the road, I have good visibility and decide to walk to catch my breath. It's quiet for a while, and then I hear a branch move about 30 feet in the air from the woods that I had just fled. I snap my gaze up and I see a pale circular face, half in shadow, peeking at me from around a tree trunk. I take off again. After way too long, I make it back to the headlights of our platoon. What happened, cadet? Did you get lost out there? My leader said, you're covered in mud. Did you fall down? Why are you out of breath? I just say, I got lost on my way back. I knew better than to claim that I saw a monster. Already my reaction had left me feeling foolish. McCoy does not have a weird history of disappearances. As far as I know, neither do the two closest towns, which are Sparta and Toma. I've done nightland navigation alone a few times without any issue. This is less from courage and from more from me deciding I must have misinterpreted the situation. After diving into paranormal subreddits, I'm coming around to the idea that I should maybe trust my own account. Maybe the world is weirder than I thought. Somebody asked if I felt it was malicious. I have a hard time ascribing emotions to the thing. I'm not privy to its possible inner life. To me, though, its actions felt predatory. Predators are naturally curious. Information makes them better hunters, and experimentation opens up to more avenues to get food. It certainly stuck around watching me and following long enough that I do believe is trying to figure something out. Just because it's interested, though, doesn't mean it's friendly. I think it was watching me or aware of me since I started moving. The area is pretty heavily traveled for training, so likely it was already familiar with people and may have discounted me or decided to keep tabs on me from a distance. After that, I likely decided that I deserve some reassessment. If that was all it did, I could see its actions as benign. However, I'm pretty sure that it did try to charge me when I tripped in the clearing. That's not a passive action. Same with trying to get ahead of me to my exit. Those instances make me skeptical of giving this thing, whatever it was, the benefit of the doubt. 
So okay, that's too a, creepiest part of that story when it backs into the woods yeah. so it can keep an eye on him, <laughs> yep. and when it's running parallel uh, on all and four. speeds up, yeah, yeah, or when it's running on all fours, and also trying to pace him but beat him. But what fascinates me with this too is that so it sounds exactly like, like what they described the flesh gate like oh, tall, skinny, clutching does. the tree. It yeah. sounded exactly like what they described the flesh. The gate weird part as. is it didn't do any mimicking though. No, but it sounds physically. But it also sounds physically like those skinny things that were mocking the guy running. So it's just yeah. weird that there's like so many of these types of creatures all show up, you know, in the same the like the same like it's such a similarity to them. Hmm. McCoy is that like south? Yeah, like I think Milwaukee? it's by Madison. Uh, Coleman. Oh, this might so actually be near where Coleman lives. So Coleman, uh, let us know if you're near this area where, where Fort, Fort McCoy live? is. He lives down by Madison somewhere. Does he? Yeah. That's weird. I thought he was north of here. <laughs> Another story. Location, Northern Highland American Legion State Forest of Vilas County, Wisconsin, autumn of 2006. I don't know where Vilas County is. I'm thinking it's mm-hmm. way up north because that's I like all know. woodland up there. Mm-hmm. I was hiking around through the woods scouting possible deer stand areas around 2 o'clock p.m. on a very overcast and chilly day. I had walked for miles that day in hilly terrain, and after finding a few good spots for the upcoming season, I decided to take one of the main fire lanes back another mile or two, going north to see what interesting geography I could find there. There were apple groves in that area, and I had figured I might stumble upon another grove if I explored a bit further into the thick than my usual route takes me. It was early enough, in a medium gray overcast sky with no definition but enough light to see fairly well through the trees without much contrast, making it a good day for scouting since there were no shadows. I remember this trail ascending towards a large ridge and noticing heavily used game trails crossing the main trail from both directions. I thought, this looks like a good place to possibly find a stand. So I continued assessing the brush cover and the visibility, etc., slowly meandering up the trail on the hill. As I moved slowly up the trail, I suddenly had a very strange feeling. The sound of the breeze through the tree branches, the bird noises, the red squirrels, and distant sounds all suddenly just stopped. It was dead quiet. Hmm. Never, never good. Nope. Not a sound. I mean, perfectly silent, like I was in some kind of sensory deprivation chamber. At that point, I just froze, perfectly still. I have really good hearing, and I recall thinking immediately that my ears must have been somehow plugged, possibly from elevation, so I snapped my fingers near my ears a couple times and quickly realized that there was nothing wrong with my hearing. Then I started to get an uncomfortable feeling, which quickly overwhelmed me. The feeling of the hair standing up on the back of my neck, which is happened to me in the auditorium with Nora, yeah. and a general disorientation or confusion. Not a dizziness or anything like that, just a sort of creepy, quote, stillness, where it was just as if time itself had stopped. Once the onset of this confusion became almost overwhelming, I attempted to turn around and do a 360 to assess whatever the heck was happening to me. At that point, looking up the hill and looking at the trail in front of me, I saw what I can only describe as the same thing you would see when looking at a paved road ahead on a very hot day. It was like wavering or a heat mirage sort of shimmer that was slowly moving on the trail ahead of me. After doing another turnaround to check behind me, I decided to start trying to continue on the trail carefully carefully and with reservation, of course. As I took the first few slow steps forward, my general disoriented confusion immediately gave way to a more foreboding or a fight-or-flight sort of instinctual gut reaction, and again, I just froze. Although I didn't see any deer, birds, or any other animals around, I had the unmistakable feeling of being watched. 
Within a few seconds, I had an almost automatic or uncontrollable urge to turn around and just run. As I did, while taking the first few steps, still somewhat disoriented, I heard what can only be described as a very low-frequency electrical humming sound, which was almost more vibration, like an extremely low bass frequency. It's like infrasound. Yeah, it was like like an infrasound. It was it was it was almost more of a feeling a feeling than an actual sound. That's totally infrasound. Yeah. Big cats use it to like yeah. almost paralyze yes. prey. Yep. And Bigfoot allegedly. It could have been a Bigfoot. But once I had moved about 10 feet from the spot I had been standing in, the low electrical pulsing humming started to fade from my ears, and suddenly I could hear all the birds, the wind, and all the ambient noises of the forest again. The feeling of disorientation also completely subsided as well as quickly as it had come on. I then proceeded to briskly hike the trail back to the highway, get in my vehicle, and upon starting the car, I noticed strange radio interference on the radio station that normally came in and still does to this day perfectly clear, which is weird. I was pretty freaked out, so I decided to just go home and call it a day, understandably. Mm-hmm. Late that same evening, the other member of my party and I both experienced multiple deer in relatively close proximity to us in the yard just staring at us, not eating and not moving, just staring at us what seemed like minutes. And then we had a weird visit from an unusually large owl who also stared right at us for some time before loudly hooing in our direction. The next thing I remember then is walking back towards the house from approximately a third of a mile from down the street and momentarily witnessing ball lightning just above the house as I walked down the long driveway towards the structure, which is weird. It's almost like missing time. The owl, like the giant owl, almost always symbolizes an Aliens, alien. Yeah. Yep. So it's just weird. Very weird. Uh, Lots of weird phenomena yeah, happening in this encounter. The next thing I remember is walking back towards the house from approximately a third of a mile from down the street and momentarily witnessing ball lightning just above the house as I walked down our long driveway towards the structure. Upon entering the house, I asked fervently right away if everything was okay due to the lightning I had just seen outside. And I realized that the other member of my group was standing approximately a foot away from a pine paneled wall, facing the wall, standing there in his boxer shorts. Nope. Upon asking him about the lightning, which had just occurred seconds before, he was completely unaware, was confused about what he was doing standing there. The power was on and functioning as normal, and he swears up and down to this day that he had gone to bed that night hours earlier and has no recollection of how he could have ended up in his boxers staring at a blank wall for no reason, nor missed hearing or seeing lightning on the property while he apparently did. He has no idea how he got there. I didn't sleep that night. To this day, at times I wonder what would have happened if I had not been moving very slowly through the woods that day hoping to catch some deer or if I had ignored my instincts and attempted to continue walking up that trail. Hmm. So that's that one almost seems fakey and I'm almost hoping... It's it, almost too much. I'm, I'm almost hoping it is because it's really creepy if yeah. it's because that there's a lot of, a lot of alien abduction... Hmm stuff in there without actually just saying we were abducted by aliens yeah. there's the missing time there's the large owl there's the dude just staring at the wall that's with the ball lightning though I, it's like such a it, rare maybe phenomenon. them returning the aliens like beaming them back down i don't know that's one that i could i was mm-hmm. on the fence with about whether or not it's fake and i kind of want it to be fake because if it's not it's really creepy yeah it's like that when they were like he they were out in the woods or he was up on the trail it was almost like this thing marked them and yeah. then took them later that night mm. You know, so I don't know. Anytime you find anyone staring, standing and staring at a wall, yeah, it's very Blair Witchy to me. Yeah, that was totally Blair Witchy. That's the first thing I thought of too. Ugh. Yeah, talking to your buddy and they're just staring at a wall. So another one, a really short one from Wisconsin. Solo backpack camping outside of Eagle River, Wisconsin, August of 2019. It was Ooh, dark recent. out. Yeah, it was dark out and I was sitting outside my tent reading when I heard my father's voice clear as day, screaming my name from <gasps> the distance. 
I went to bed unnerved and got out of there as soon as the sun came up. I felt terribly eerie walking six miles out of there alone in the early morning, like I was being followed by something that didn't want me to leave. There you go. Wow, short, but it gave me the chills. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This one's again not, another mimic. This one's not paranormal, but I don't like it. Okay. My family used to go camping with a few groups of friends when I was a kid. I remember one Christmas when I was about five, we were camping out in the bush. There were nine kids in total at our campsite. We were allowed to wander through the woods. My parents would give us a walkie-talkie to tell us when to come back to camp, and we never really wandered far away. Anyway, one day, out of nowhere, an unfamiliar voice came over our walkie-talkie. It was a man's voice. He said that he was Santa Claus and that he was trying to find us to give us our presents and asked us to look for him. Creepy. We all ran back to our campsite, all excited that Santa had talked to us. The walkie-talkie was taken from us and we weren't allowed to go anywhere for the rest of the trip. (laughs) We were pretty (laughs) devastated at the time, but now I understand the seriousness and creepiness of it looking back as an adult. Yeah, you're alive, so be thankful for that. That one creeps me out. I mean, that's worse. I'd rather run into the flesh gate than some some creeper creeper in the woods saying he's Santa Claus to lure kids to come Mm -hmm. to him in the woods. Ah. <laughs> so, Humans yeah. are way scarier than anything yep. we talk about on this show. Yep. Was that one a Wisconsin one too? No. Or okay. I get the, those like the those three or four were the Wisconsin yeah. ones. Another one from the woods. I posted this on another thread back in August, but I figured I'd share it again. Of the countless hours I've spent in the woods, this is the one time the only the only few seconds that I can't explain. I distance hike when I can. Sometimes this means getting up early or staying out late to get as many miles in as possible. Sometimes walking in the pitch dark with a low light headlamp gets spooky. I grew up in the woods of this area. I slept under our canopy of stars more nights than I can count. I've trekked thousands of miles of trails, riverbanks, lakeshores, ridges, bottoms, bogs, and creeks. I've hunted game. I'm establishing this because it's important you understand that I've heard, seen, and smelt about all that region has to offer in the ways of wilderness. My scariest experience, though, happened about 4.30 in the morning. It was late spring, so the first morning light wouldn't be visible in the treetops for another 30 or 45 minutes. Another hour past that until sunrise. I was on mile 5. I'm in a low bottom that's wedged between two steep ridges. The trail I'm on was narrow, muddy, and completely hemmed in by thick underbrush, young maple, and old oak growth. I'm focused on the small light from my headlamp, just one step after the other zoned out. Then I hear it, a loud crack, and I froze solid. This is the part that I have trouble describing. 4.30 in springtime means I'm the only thing making noise. No birds chirping, nothing. Mid-step, I freeze. When flight or flight kicks in, you have these immediate instinct thoughts. The thought that instantly flashed in my mind as I stood there balancing myself into silence was, if I hear that again, I'm turning around and I'm going back the way that I came in in a hurry. Why? Because that sound was not just a branch breaking. It wasn't deadfall. It wasn't a widow maker. That's a tree falling, a big tree falling, Mm -hmm. apparently. I was damn sure that I just heard something intentional. Hearing it twice, well, that meant get out of here. To describe it the best I can, it sounded like a decent-sized wooden stick being violently whacked against a smallish tree. It's a wood knock. Yeah, yep. More a fungo bat-sized stick than an actual baseball bat. The distinction in my head being that the sound was a crack and not a thud or thump. And I've described it as explosive in the past because it was so sudden and so terribly loud. I had the sense that whatever this was was about 50 yards directly in front of me. It was loud and it was clear. Now I just stood there completely spooked. I realized the soon-to-be worst part of my situation. I knew where the sound came from and I knew where the trail went. In about 30 yards, I was going to come to a 180-degree turn and start up the ridge going away from the creek. This meant that as soon as I got the courage to move towards this noise, I was going to have to turn my back to it and get up that ridge. This made me super nervous. My head was somewhere between meth fiend murderer and Bigfoot bludgeoning. 
Minutes pass. I just breathe my foggy breath into my glasses and listen. There's nothing, just dead quiet. I've got about 20 or 30 minutes until first light. I crank up the headlamp and I start to slowly creep to the 180 degree turn. When you wear a headlamp in the woods at night, every tree branch in front of you casts a big black moving shadow on the trail, which definitely didn't help. (laughs) I get to the turn and quickly make the bend. I'm moving pretty fast at this point, trying to be quiet, taking tiny shallow breaths so I can listen while humping it up the trail. And then I smell it. A stench hits me that I can't describe. Just imagine wet, rotten death. I've actually worked scenes where humans have expired in a past life as a firefighter. This was like days-old decomposition, but it just smelled strange. I kept walking fast. By the time I made it to the top of that ridge, I was huffing, and the first light was showing. I didn't stop moving until full light was out and the birds were chirping. I've heard it all in our woods. I've smelled it all. I'm telling you, I don't know what the hell that was. Deadfall and especially leafed-out branches make a lot of noise on the way down. I've heard that many times. This I've never heard before. I don't know. That sounds totally like Bigfoot. Yeah, Between even the, the smell, smell. The smell. And the wood, the wood knock. Mm-hmm. This next one. Me and a group of 20 others were hiking in a two-person side-to-side line through thick woods around 1 o'clock a.m. We managed to find a muddy road, which we continued to walk over for miles before going back into the woods. While walking down that muddy road, I held a conversation with one of my friends that was standing to the right of me. After a little while of talking, I noticed that my group was further ahead of me than I thought, so I picked up the pace. As I got closer, I noticed something odd. The friend that I had been talking to was already ahead with the rest of the group. I asked him, how did you get back so quickly? And he turned and looked at me and said, quote, I was wondering where you were. You disappeared for a good five or ten minutes. It turned out that the two of us hadn't been talking. Let's just say I didn't feel right after hearing those words. I know for a fact that I was speaking to him when we were walking, and if it wasn't him, then it was someone with the same exact gear, same exact look, same exact everything. Luckily, nothing happened after that, but I was pretty shook for the rest of the night. Yeah. (laughs) Next one. Quote, I've told this story. (laughs) Quote, I've told this story before. (laughs) Oh, my God. Third time. Quote, I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. I live in central California in the valley, bordered on all sides by hills and mountain ranges. There are some great hikes and campgrounds all around, and my ex and I chose to go hiking in the Sespe Wilderness. It's about a two-hour drive from my home, and it's basically hiking in the mountains southwest of Bakersfield off the highway that leads to Ojai and the coast. Gorgeous country, very remote, no cell service. Both archaeology hobbyists, we decided to hike out past Pederas Blancas, a giant rock formation, and keep on that same trail paralleling the Sespe Creek in order to look for some Shumash pictographs. Oh, so many words. Mm -hmm. It's about a five-mile hike, hilly terrain full of scrub brush and smaller trees, but the trail is well-maintained and we are mostly alone out there. We reach an old campground about three or four miles out, and I'm feeling tired, so I stop to rest at the campground. The campground is pretty much circular. There are several different campsites all in plain view of one another, And just to the east, there's also a large rock formation that overlooks the creek. The rock formation is kind of flat, so I go over and lay down on the warm rock so I can listen to the water. That sounds so nice. Mm -hmm. The whole thing sounds beautiful. Yeah. So far. Something tells me it's going to get creepy. I don't know how much time had passed when I hear the strangest howling scream I've ever heard. (laughs) So there goes It got creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It went on for longer than a human should have been able to scream, and it alternated from being a very low sound and a very guttural sound to a high-pitched sound like a woman. So I shoot up off the rock, and I start looking around. I don't see anything. The sound didn't repeat, and I started to think that maybe I was just hearing an animal. 
All of a sudden, my friend that had left comes crashing back down the trail at full speed, thinking that he was hearing me screaming. He describes hearing it a little differently. The sounds I heard were not the sounds he heard, but we both agree that we heard something very strange and we can't explain it. That's weird that they heard different sounds. We both kind of look around the camp and we don't see anything out of the ordinary, so we decide quickly that it's time to head back. So the sun is starting to set, it's late afternoon, and although it's still light out, it's late afternoon, golden hour kind of light. We start walking back on the trail that parallels the creek and we start to hear boulders being thrown in the water. If you've ever been a kid by a body of water, you know what it feels like to pick up the heaviest rock you could find to toss it into the water to hear that kerplonk sound that heavy rocks make. This was way heavier than that, and we knew it. We heard it several times, following us all along the trail, and then we hear crashing sounds in the brush from across the creek. Whatever was throwing the rocks was following us on the other side of the creek, making sure that we knew we weren't welcome. I have no idea what type of animal could throw very large boulders into the water like that. If it was human, they did a damn good job of pranking us because we were terrified. We hurried as fast as we could. I ended up slipping on the trail and got a splinter in my arm that I wasn't able to dig out for months. We made it back to the parking lot near dark. I've only found one other online post about strange strange things happening in the Sespe Creek wilderness, so I still don't know what we heard. Bigfoot. That's, that's what, yep. Somebody replied saying, quote, similar thing happened to my wife, kids, and I. We were hiking deep in the woods on the White Mountains on a not very popular trail. Much of it was crossing wet logs through swampland. My wife was carrying our one-year-old son on her back through all of this while our four-year-old walked with us. It was a four-mile loop, and around the halfway point, a good two miles from the trail ahead into the woods, we started hearing crashing and thumping sounds in the woods every few minutes. Eventually, I heard a crash a few feet away from us, then a large baseball-sized stone rolled out onto the trail in front of us. A few seconds later, another rock lands behind me, then another. Where we was was flat with no inclines anywhere for rocks to roll down. We were surrounded by very dense forest, so you could only see 20 or so feet in. I picked up my four-year-old, and we started speed-walking ahead. As I scanned the forest, I was looking for a person that would be throwing rocks at us, but I couldn't see anything except trees, brush, and ferns. There was no movement outside the woods swaying with the breeze. After a few more minutes of the thumps of stones coming from behind us, it stopped and there was no more for the rest of the hike. We did the second half much quicker than the first without stopping until we finally reached a creek that was close to the trailhead with some other families playing in the water. We hung out there for a while trying to come up with any explanation for where those rocks had been coming from. It could have been only one or two things that I could think of. Either Sasquatch is real and scares intruders off by throwing stones or some deranged mountain man was whipping rocks large enough to seriously injure us with no concern that we had small children with us. Personally, the latter thought is the scarier one to me. Yeah. So that totally sounds Bigfooty. Totally. That 100% (laughs) 100 sounds Bigfooty. Big feats. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just like the throwing stones thing is like typical Bigfoot. It very much is, yeah. yeah. It's like a warning. You're in my territory. Mm -hmm. You need to go. Another one. My family and I were on a day hike earlier this year on the Appalachian. Appalachian Trail is weird. I hear so many weird things, not just paranormal, but like people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My family and I were on a day hike earlier this year on the Appalachian Trail when we had a very strange experience. I've heard many times just as like a woman, you should never hike alone on the trail. We had picked up the trail down a forest road in northern Georgia. Am I saying that weird? Northern Georgia? I need another drink. Good thing this is a free podcast. (laughs) Yeah, thank God. We had picked up the trail down a forest road in northern Georgia for a day hike back in June. Myself, my husband, our dog, and our boys ages 7 and 10 were all hiking a popular section that we had walked many times. This is a beautiful hike that runs past a large waterfall. We had hiked in about an hour up past the falls with the kids running off trail in and out of the woods, looking for millipedes on the ground, and just having a good time. 
on the way back, there was a trail off to our right that went to a smaller waterfall and a really cool pool. The boys really wanted to explore, so I took them down this trail while my husband stayed on the main trail with the dog to wait for us. We played around for a few minutes. The spot was super quiet, but it had an odd feeling about it. It wasn't very far from the main trail. In fact, you could still see parts of the main trail through the trees at a distance. Well, when we finally left and got back to the main trail, my husband was nowhere to be found. It would be very odd for him to leave myself and our small children in the woods. I stood there for a moment with the kids, then assumed for some reason he had taken the dog back to the car, so we turned and started walking in that direction. After about 30 minutes, we reached the car. There was no husband. At this point, I'm a bit panicked. Maybe the dog broke his leash? Where would he go? I put the boys in our truck with some snacks, and then I began asking people coming off the trail if they saw a man with a dog describing my husband. About 45 minutes go by before someone says, yes, I think I saw him, although they described him as being way back down the trail in the wrong direction. About 90 minutes later, he finally wandered out of the trail, just as I, totally freaked out at this point, was planning to take the boys and start hiking back to look for him. He said that the dog got antsy, so he decided to follow us down the small trail. By the time he got down to the pool, we were gone, which made no sense since we would have passed him on the way out. And when he came back to the main trail, he became really confused for some reason and felt that he needed to go back down the main trail deeper into the woods to look for us. Finally, after a long while, he said it was almost like he woke up, recognized how much time had passed and how far back he was, then turned around to hike out. This is one of our favorite spots to hike, and we've been on that part of the trail many times, but moving forward, we're going to be more careful. We absolutely will not be wandering so far off the main path or separating our group again because we have no idea what happened that day. Eesh. It's weird that he, if he would have went down the trail, he would have seen them. There's one way in, right. one way out. Yeah. So it's weird that, and then he ended up feeling like he needed to go deeper into the woods, mm-hmm. so he went. So That's how missing 411 yep. happens. Yep. I Thank goodness he, there's a happy ending to that story, yeah. but... So this one isn't paranormal, really? Kind of, maybe is. But this one, I think, is just like seriously really cool. Like, I love this story. You're going to panic for a second. Oh, boy. Is the dog okay? My family used to camp in Algonquin Park in Ontario when I was a kid. We used to do a lot of day hikes with our dog. Our dog was a crazy runner, little Lucy, and would run up and down the trail back and forth between my parents and my brother and myself. This one trail ended at a lookout. My brother and I stopped here to take in the view, and my dog arrived seconds later, traveling at full speed between the two of us. He attempted to apply the brakes, but the momentum carried him right over the edge. We freaked out. Our dog had just gone over a cliff, and it was a good 50 or 60 foot drop. I ventured over to the edge to look down. My dog had somehow landed on the one small ledge that sat about 10 feet down. Now what? Any movement and my dog would fall the rest of the way down. It was a sheer face, no way to get down, and my dog would have died if it would have fell off. Out of the blue, from the trail behind us, appears a hiker with full climbing gear. Algonquin is not an area known for climbing. I had never seen anyone before or since with climbing gear on that trail. This guy shimmied down, rescued my dog, packed up, and left. He didn't even stick around long enough for me to get his name. Weird. To all intents and purposes, he just returned to the trail and vanished. That's... There's something a little paranormal about that. It's almost like a, like a guardian angel kind of thing yeah. for that dog. Oh, thank God but the yeah. dog was okay. Yeah, and there's like there's no climbing area. God. Like it's just weird that this that guy really that weird. this guy in full climbing gear happens to come out of the woods at the moment that they, that they he, need it. And then he shimmies down, gets the dogs, gets a dog, comes back up, and then he is gone. That's weird. Yeah, but it's cool in an I mean, awesome it, way. Yeah, it's not it's not like a paranormal, like scary paranormal sort of way. It's like a really cool paranormal sort of way. And this is our last one because we're running out of time. I have one other really long one that I'll maybe save for another episode or something. 
I'm not convinced there is an afterlife or such thing as ghosts or demons, but I once saw something in the woods that felt so unnatural that it made me second guess how I see the world. I was hiking up a hillside thick with trees in the middle of the night during a long weekend. Some friends and I decided we would hike to the top of the hill and light off some fireworks. Approaching the hill and surrounding the base of this hill was a rolling grass valley. It was around midnight, full moon and light mist, straight out of a horror movie. The strange part sounds romantic. It does. The strange part was that I wasn't nervous or scared or anything. I was having a great time with my buddies. I didn't have any of my defenses up. My buddies and I just hiked in a straight line through the rolling grass valley approaching the hill when something caught my eye. On my right, I saw a tall, shadowy figure standing perfectly upright on the top of a small grassy hill. It was standing there right next to a large dead tree. I couldn't make out any details. Both the tree and the tall figure were silhouetted under the moonlight. The strange part was that seeing this figure didn't scare me. I didn't immediately sense any threat. I just assumed that it might have been another hiker or somebody out having a smoke. I passively turned my flashlight on and that's when it happened. In an instant, as my light hit that spot where this figure had been standing, it instantly moved just outside the range of my flashlight like it teleported or something. But just as vividly as I saw it standing in its initial spot, as my light hit that spot and the figure moved, I could see it standing just outside the range of my light. Hmm. Creepy. My breath paused. In an instant, a wave of dread washed over me. Something felt 100% unnatural about what just happened. As a reflex, I moved my light to the new spot where the figure was, and as my light passed, it disappeared. I've never passed out in my entire life, not from heat, not from getting knocked out, ever. But in that moment, my knees gave away from under me and I just fell to the ground. My friends turned and looked at me trying my friends turned and looked at me trying to pick myself up and my knees were too wobbly to stand. They helped me and I tried explaining to them what I just saw. I'm willing to bet that it might have just been light or shadows playing games with my eyes, but I'll never be able to explain that sensation I felt of having like I had just seen something that I should not have seen. Something so unnatural that my body's instinctual reaction was just to go limp. Check out. Yep. So there you go. There are some stories. Good stuff. I love this stuff. I, I could listen to that all day. Made up or not. <laughs> all right. What the heck? We're going to do two more stories. How about that? That sound, that sound doable. People like the long, longer episodes yeah. anyway. They're getting longer. <laughs> they are. I'm, nobody's complained about that, so. This is one from No Sleep. Okay. Hey, No Sleep. I told this story to some friends tonight after not thinking about it for a while and remembered how odd and creepy it really was. I know so many of these stories are quote unquote true, but the source of this story swears to God that what happened in the story is as... I'm not even going to read this one because that's no sleep and that just bothers me. Does that sound good? Because it could 100% yeah. be made up. Yeah, because they could just be saying it's real. Wasn't Slenderman creepypasta? Oh, it was creepypasta, yeah. but it might have came from Reddit. I'm not sure. Yeah, Isn't creepypasta part of Reddit? Do I not understand how all that no, works? No, creepypasta is just made up stories, but Reddit has a bunch of made up stories. Oh, okay. Is creepypasta a website you go to? No. It's just made up stories. Okay. It just means made up stories. Oh, I thought it was like a subreddit or something. All right. I'm going to do two more stories. I am from the mountains of Scandinavia, and ever since I was a child, I have now and again heard voices in the forest. Like you barely hear what they say, but they're definitely there. And it's never just one voice, but several. I never told my parents about this since I was afraid they would think I was crazy. So when I'm about 14, me and my family go hiking deep in the mountains. The mountains in that area are bare except for this one part that's covered with mountain birches. So we set up tents there in the woods next to the river. My dad and I go fishing and the voices start louder this time. I ignore them, but then my dad finally turns to me smiling and says, quote, you hear them too, don't you? 
Ooh. Speaking to my dad about this in later years, we have no idea what this could possibly be. I mean, it was not the river. There was no one out there but the two of us, but we both heard these voices. What were we hearing? I wonder if it's like Faye. I, it, that's, we're going to do an episode on, okay. on... I pulled a bunch of stories out of here because I think that they're going to tie in with Faye stuff. Okay. So then somebody replied and said, I have experienced similar things in Olympic National Park in Washington State. We had driven a few miles down a dirt road to another trailhead. There was no one else around. Less than five minutes after we start out, we hear a male and female having a conversation, and then the female laughs loudly. They sounded so close, like we were about to come face-to-face to them right after the bend in the trail. We rounded the bend, and then silence. There was no sign of any other people. As we walked deeper into the woods, the trail became so washed out that we couldn't even see it. At certain spots, we would lose all sound. We couldn't hear each other even though we were five feet away. We were losing light fast. Okay, that's weird. There was no way we'd make it back to the lake before dark. We only had one light, too. We turned back. On the way back, I heard the man's voice again making noises, then crunching branches. The bush on the side of the trail was so thick that there's no way anything could get through it except maybe a huge moose. Then we heard the female voice start laughing again, first on my left side, then on my right side at drastically different distances. Then she was directly behind me. I knew she was standing there, but I couldn't see her. Larger branches were being crushed on both sides of the trail. At this point, we felt pretty dumb for not even having a knife, and we started to run back to the car. We'd yell at each other, but we couldn't hear each other. The whole time, the voices were around us laughing and mocking. That's a no. I mean, I think sound carries strangely. In the woods. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. But that doesn't explain the way the the voices were moving in a way that they shouldn't be. No. And it's like if they're all of a sudden far away, then I mean, the woods. Or if they're right next to each other and they can't hear each other. That's weird. Yeah. So there was something weird going on there. Yeah. One day when I lived in a house near the woods, around 10 o'clock in the morning, I was sitting on my back porch deck. My Shih Tzu dog was with me, as well as about three or four of my cats. I was home alone, and it was a quiet weekday, and all my neighbors were gone to work. When I was sitting there quietly on the deck, all of my animals started looking around the yard panicked, and they started hiding like they heard something coming. Oh, that's creepy. I just sat there looking around and listening to see what they were reacting to. After several seconds, I started to hear a humming sound... It sounded like it was coming closer and closer, and then it turned into a buzzing. By this time, my pets had ran and hid and were nowhere to be found. The sound moved closer to me and seemed to be floating in the air, moving at about the same pace as a person walking fast. The sound seemed to be steadily moving across my yard, hovering a few feet above my head. As it got closer, the humming and buzzing became the more distinct noise of human voices all talking at once. It sounded like a city of different voices. I heard it perfectly clear as it moved overhead past me and the sound faded as it went into my neighbor's backyard. It took several minutes before my pets decided it was safe enough to come back out from hiding. It was just a weird experience as if, and if it hadn't been for my pet's reactions, I probably would have thought I was just tripping. I felt a little uneasy after that and gathered my pets and went back inside. I haven't heard anything like that before or since. Thankfully, I didn't see anything attached to the voices. It was just a weird ball of traveling voices. You know, it. I mean, devil's advocate swarms of insects have been known to yeah. you know, travel yeah. above you and yep. they do make weird but buzzing noises. But I have noises. heard a lot of stories about people hearing all of a sudden the sound of tons of voices at once when there's like nothing there. Yeah, that's weird. So there you go. There are some weird wood stories. Hmm. Hopefully those were okay. Yeah. Uh, you learned stuff. a little bit about the flesh gate. <laughs> the mimic. The mimic. The mimic. So the hopefully was that was okay. A, huh? The dog was okay. The dog was okay, thanks to like a guardian angel with climbing yeah, gear. A guardian angel climber. So there you go. There are some cool Reddit stories from the woods. Uh, cool. Hopefully you guys liked it. 
uh, some good ones in there. The cre- some yeah. creepy ones, like yeah. anything that like mimics like the, the baby or a person that you know yelling help. Uh, so there you go. I took out a bunch of stories that didn't take place in a woods setting. So those are going to be in another episode. Okay. But I just really needed this these two weeks with school starting. So there. By you the go. way, I didn't notice you checking your microphone even once. I, I didn't. I, I figured it was on. <laughs> so there you go. Hopefully you guys liked it. Let me know what you think. Yeah. So I have three things I wanted to mention. One is someone had posted, I think, on Facebook that there's a haunted hotel in Wisconsin yes. that's for sale. Yes. Jim sent me the same hotel really? the other day. I never mentioned it to him because he's on Realtor all the time. Actually, we both are. We're kind of sort of half butted. I was going to say half-assed. Looking for a cabin, sort of. Um, but we're always sort of looking at houses, too. Like Jim and I are the kind of people where, like, if the perfect house comes along, we'd sell in a heartbeat and move. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny that he, he found that haunted hotel and so he's like, let's buy it. I'm like, oh, that'd be, ho- wouldn't that be amazing? Actually, that would be. you could host like events that there, would be. let teams come through and do investigations. You and- were with us on the investigation of Manitowoc when we heard, I don't want to say where it is because I don't want to say the place's name, but when we heard the, when we got the EVP with a weird hymn sound yes. in the background, yep. that's for sale. <gasps> really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Hmm. But Jim and I also, we, we are at this point in our lives where we kind of, we want to do our own thing. We want to be self-employed. Yeah. And so it, the idea of like owning a hotel would be really You appealing. should. Think about it. It's like way up north though. I know. It'd be kind of a, a long drive to do our podcast. It would be. I'd have to get up really early to come up there to do <laughs> the podcast. You'd have to come stay every other weekend and just like record. We could do, That'd yeah. be I mean, kind we of could do a do investi- an investigation. Oh my God, I'm buying place, this hotel. a place you own. <laughs> That's it cool. looks like a really cool place, yeah. too. I don't know if you looked at the pictures, no. but it looks really cool. I also wanted to mention that Ryan Dakin, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, on Instagram said, he commented on our picture for today saying, I don't think I've heard you guys talk yet about the demolishing of the Georgia Guidestones. We, we did. might have mentioned it. We just mentioned it, that we're maybe. bummed out about it. Yeah, but, but maybe we need to do more coverage of that. Yeah. Like, I love the Georgia Guidestones. And I, I it. hate. It bothers me that people think that they were evil because I don't think they were. I mm-hmm. think they were placed they were placed there with the intention that something was going to wipe out humanity, which could 100% happen. Yeah. So this was telling them the best it. way to start. And people all talk about keep the, the, the one commandment quote was keep the population below whatever, how many billion. And people thought that was mm. the new world order wanting to oh, kill sure. off the population. Yeah. But it was for the Guidestones were for humanity starting back up after some devastating event, telling them the best way to handle it was to stay below that number yeah. over population. There was nothing evil about the Georgia Guidestones. Right. People will fight me on that, but I love the Georgia Guidestones. So maybe it's a mini mystery though, because yeah, we don't we, know who did it, right? I don't think so. Maybe we'll cover that one for a mini mystery okay. too. Thanks for the suggestion. Yes. Um, we have a stranger we forgot to welcome. Who? Strangeling Lydia Grace Needle. Crystal Needle's new baby. Oh, yes, that's right. So I wanted to mention that one of our strangers, and I is her sister also a stranger I think so. too? I think so. Um, she and her husband had a beautiful baby girl born Yay, August congratulations. 19th. Welcome, yes. little strangeling. And I love the name Lydia because it makes me think of Beetlejuice. So. <laughs> I've never seen Beetlejuice. What? Never seen it. Oh, you got to watch it. It's a classic. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations and welcome, and welcome our little strangeling. Cool. So that was it. Those are my three housekeeping things I should have said at the beginning, but forgot. What? Okay. Our question we're going to answer was from... I got to scroll right. away. I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I yeah. I know what you're going to say. Thing. I know what you're going to say. Our question so is obvious. from... Our, our question is from Lucho who asked, 
I don't want to make this email too long, but I have a silly question I want to ask you guys. What cryptid or strange creature do you believe 100% exists except ghosts? Here's the thing, though. 100%? Yeah. I need to witness something myself or I need to personally know someone that I trust with every fiber of my being to believe that something exists yeah. 100%. Everybody's going to think I'm going to say Bigfoot. I can't say that with 100%. I'm 99.9999% I consider that close certain. enough to answer that as Bigfoot. Yeah. Because there's something doing this. We don't know yeah. what it is. You've come around on the Bigfoot I thing. have. <laughs> I have. Uh, um, aliens, I'm 100% the one that I'm going to pick, and too. I don't know if, if this is going against his rule and no ghost, but the hat man. I think, I'm convinced oh. the hat man exists. I don't know what it is. I don't know that that's is. a ghost, though. No, but I don't know what it is, but I'm convinced it exists because yeah. people see it Too that don't know it's it. a thing, yeah. you know? So I'm going to go with the hat man. I mean, he said cryptid. So uh, to me, that's Bigfoot, but yeah, Bigfoot, aliens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to go with the hat man because I'm 100% convinced the hat man Mm -hmm. is real. Don't know what it is, right? but I'm going to say that you're going to go with Bigfoot? Bigfoot, Okay, Bigfoot and the hat man. There's a tag team for you. (laughs) Um, Thank you for the question. And that was, of course, from Lucho. Lucho. Thank you so much, Lucho. And I totally blanked on a song pick for this day, so I'm just going to do one super quick that I've been listening to all the time. Uh... Like, I love this band, and the singer has a very distinctive voice, so people might even just get it from that. He's got a very distinctive voice. So uh, this is a newer song by the band, but some of the YouTube comments under it, under the video say, quote, that was incredible. It amazes me that a band could remain so consistent without becoming formulaic or cliche. Somebody else writes, quote, my wife introduced me to this band when we started dating 10 years ago. We had a few songs of theirs on our wedding playlist. Now our kids are jamming to this new album. I hope to one day see them in concert. And they are so good in concert. I've never seen them in concert, but I've seen seen enough clips of them live. And they're just like, they're just good guys. Like, it's almost like I felt about Foo Fighters where they're just a good group of Mm -hmm. people. And I feel like that way about this band. Somebody else says, quote, never has a band that I was into in high school put out songs that make me feel the way I did when I first heard them all those years ago. But home run with these songs. The music is so powerful and I'm not being melodramatic when I say that for the duration of these two new tracks, I felt like I was alive again and I can't thank you guys enough. Somebody else says, quote, I started listening to these guys when I was in high school, 2003-2004 timeline. This voice takes me back, though. Endless memories of the best days of my life. I love the band, and I'm so excited for the new music. This song is amazing. And somebody else says, quote, this band is a reason to breathe, smile, bang your head to music, yell at the top of your lungs, have an emotional moment, enjoy some solace, wear your headphones, and forget the world for just a little while, and just feel. And the band is Coheed and Cambria. I love, love, love. Never heard of him. There's so, like he's got he has a high pitched voice that you would not expect coming from him. Like if you, their best song in my opinion is called "A Favor House Atlantic," hmm. and I heard the song before I ever saw the video, and I thought it was a girl singing. Oh, and funny. then I saw the video, and I'm like, that can't be the guy that's singing, and it is. I think his name's Claudio. Okay, and it's just so. Like his voice, at first, it takes some getting used to, but now whenever I hear a song come on and it's like a new song by them, his voice is almost like a warm hug to me. Like it's just Mm. familiar and it's comforting and I just love, love, love Coheed and Cambria. So my song choice for this episode is the song The Liars Club by Coheed and Cambria off their new album, which I was listening to on the way down here and it's just really, really good. You've never heard Coheed and Cambria? Mm -mm. They're so good. I just love them. They're like... a 
they had one song that was played a lot on the radio, and that was the song "The Suffering." Hmm. They, their albums are all like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Theme, like oh, okay. you know, like they they, it's like this long science fiction story. Sure. And they're just so good. Like the songs you listen to, you have no idea what the lyrics are about because they're about this story, this okay. like comic book like story about what's going on on this planet and all this stuff. But the songs are so good. So I'm going to put the video for The Liars Club by Coheed and Cambria, and that is my song choice. I've been obsessed with um, The Funeral by Band of Horses lately. I don't know if you've ever I've heard I've never that really song. listened to Band of Horses. Mm. It's it's the one song I think everybody would know them from, but he also has kind of a high, uh, unique voice. Yeah. It just made me think of that. I was going to mention, I always seem to say, what's Krista, what's Krista watching? That's like my segment of the show now. I mentioned, I think I called it Echo. <laughs> it's Echoes on Netflix. Really, really good. I'm still watching Supernatural. I'm, I think I'm maybe halfway through the first season. We just started a new series. It's like one of those limited series on Netflix called The Devil in Ohio. And it's about, a, it's like about a cult kind of. And um, Emily Deschanel is in it. That's really good. I highly recommend it. And then I'm also watching The Rings of Power. On, Jeez, you're watching a lot I know, of stuff. I know. I don't watch much regular TV. Except Josh Gates, which I watch on Discovery Plus anyway. But The Rings of Power is is a whole um, Lord of the Rings thing that's on. Uh, it's free on Prime if you have Amazon Prime. I and don't it's anymore. I got so rid of Amazon good. Prime. What it's I because really I, I I finished the third season of Person of Interest, and when I'm doing school, I can't watch a series because I can't focus my mind. Oh. So, but what I've been amazed by is Tubi. There's like so mm, many good, good documentaries on, on Tubi. It just floors me how many good things are on there. And mm. it's free. I always forget about it. Yeah. I have I've, it on my I've, TV. I've watched like a bunch of documentaries on there. The one about The Breakfast Club. Uh, one called like The 50 Worst Movies of All Time. Huh. Uh, it's just, there's a lot of like paranormal documentaries on a lot of Bigfoot stuff on there. Oh, like Tubi is amazing for being free. There is so much stuff yeah, on there Yeah, you have to watch. sit through some commercials, yeah. but I yep. mean, who cares? Yeah. I've so, we've watched a couple of good kind of scarier movies there, on there. Uh, one of the missing four and ones is on there. I mm. think the first one that I didn't see might be on Tubi, so I might watch I hear that it's today. It's not that good. That's though. what I heard too, but I might watch it today. The Hunted was really good. Yeah, but Tubi is just amazing. If and Pluto, like I can't say enough good things about Pluto TV. That's I where I, I watch Mystery have. Science Theater. There's a twenty four seven Unsolved Mysteries channel that plays just nonstop Unsolved Mysteries episodes. Oh, funny. So Tubi, if you don't have the Tubi app or you don't have the Pluto TV app, get them both because they're both amazing. So that's yeah, and it's free. Yeah. Those are free. I think so. that's all we really got for today. Yeah. I'm ch- okay, I got the Chuck Norris thing. Okay. I gotta remember where I need like a bookmark. You were doing a full page. Yeah. Chuck Norris killed the Pope with a roundhouse kick to the chest after an argument over who had a better beard. Jesus or Norris. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay. Chuck Norris is strong enough to punch through steel yet delicate enough to cradle a newborn to sleep. Oh. Things you didn't know about Chuck, Chuck Norris. I need to put like, something in here so I can remember where I was. I'll figure that out. Okay. Anyway, okay. Do, were we going to answer other questions or was that our question? That was our one question. Okay. I didn't. Last time I checked, we didn't really have any new questions. So if you guys have any questions you would like us to answer, just send them. And now I think it's time we slide into the side sessions. Yep. We're going to step to the left in the side cellar. We are. And record the side session and episode. Our, this side session made me want to rewatch a bunch of my favorite movies. <laughs> yep. So we're going to be talking something about movies again next yep. week. Uh, and this is one topic that I love. Like I, this can make a movie for me or break a movie for me. Like. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yep. And this is something that 
like when I think of my favorite movies, these are almost the scenes that I go to right away are these scenes from mm-hmm. these movies. But yeah. that's enough of a spoiler enough for you guys. Teasing. Um, I also wanted to mention that... This must be like four hours long, but... <laughs> <laughs> Two hours and 28 minutes? Yeah. I need glasses, dude. Um, I think at the beginning of October... Okay, so we're going to be recording the first book club episode on October 22nd. Yes. So you have plenty of time to get through the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. At the beginning of October, we've already picked what the next book will be. Yes. We'll announce it at the beginning of October, and hopefully that will be plenty of time. So we're, we're kind of going to be giving you like a month and a half almost yeah. to read each book. Yep. So um, I, th- I got a feeling that. this next one might be long too. So we're going to have to, at some point, we're going to have to have a smaller book. Let me, lo- let me look oh, into yeah. it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let me look into it. Uh, I'm glad I'm you guys, I'm glad people are book. liking the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn mm-hmm. Hardcastle. But like I said, it is twisty and complicated and maybe make a little flow chart. Yeah. <laughs> so that might help you. It's hard to keep things straight. Yes. Let's put it that way. So I think that's it for today. Yeah. That's all. Only in two and a half hours. <laughs> yep. Uh, so <laughs> these are getting longer and longer. They are. Soon they're going to be like three hours long. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening to our coffee supporters. Thank you guys for giving yeah. us money because we know how hard these times are and you guys are amazeballs. So thank you so much for caring about us enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, Krista keeps getting text messages. It's Jim arrived at work. Jim left work. <laughs> Stalker. <laughs> I was just going to say something else and I totally forgot. Probably something super important, but I'll remember it on the drive home. Mm-hmm. I think that's it for today. So I'm totally forgetting something. Deets. Oh, that's what I was forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us. I'm looking, staring right at him too. You can email us at the strange sessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, 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 sort of Travis Twitter at strange session without the final S. Krista does a great job on Instagram. I love our Instagram people mm-hmm. on the strange sessions on Instagram. You can send us postcards and snail mail to the strange sessions. PO box four, three, four Manitowoc, Wisconsin five. Ooh, I just got really dizzy. Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can call our lonely little phone line at 920-443-9602. You got dizzy? Yeah, I just got weirdly dizzy. Hmm. Okay. All of a sudden, the sound's going to go out down here, and there's going to be some sort of weird... <laughs> some shimmery some, thing some standing portal in the corner. Some portal being in the doorway there. <laughs> Lucy would come running in and save us. She would. She no, would. she's afraid to come downstairs, so oh, she'd right. just so stand at the top and whine. We're screwed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I think from Krista and I down in the... Strange seller. I almost forgot the name. My mind is fried. Wow, I need, I'll yeah, say. I'm, I'm shot. It was a long week. So from Chris and I down in the strange cellar, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.